With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun so winning was a dream come true chumbo casino is america's favorite free online social casino you too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes absolutely anybody could be like mary be like mary log on to chumbocasino.com and play for free now no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner Welcome to the Sons of UCF, a unique UCF podcast experience. Now, say hello to Adam and Mike. All right, here we go. Episode number 102 of the Sons of UCF. Welcome back in. My name's Adam. As always, I've got UCF Mike with me. Michael, how are you? I'm doing a lot better this week. I will say the week off has helped calm me down a little bit. I'm ready to go again. Okay, so Mike is better. That's good. Uh, a melancholy Mike last week. Uh, the energy level was low, but I feel like this week we're going to rebound, and uh, and we'll get into all that good stuff. We've got uh, obviously it's a bye week, no game this past Saturday, so we won't do game notes. But uh, don't you worry, we have UCF observations. We have uh, maybe we're going to break out cow or no cow later on. Mike's picks of the week will be here. We've got something new. Mike is not prepared for this yet because I haven't told him, but he's going to fill in the blank. So you're going to stay want, uh, want to stay around for that. But uh, let's get oriented before we start off here. If you're listening to us, we appreciate you for doing that. You can find us on any and all podcast platforms. Uh, if you're on some of those podcast platforms, I don't know, Mike, let's say like Apple Podcasts, you know, maybe the, they could give us a nice little rating and review. What do you, what do you think about that idea? No, that sounds great. Yeah, any review we get helps us even... I guess the reviews doesn't matter what they actually say, right? Because as long as we get a review, the rating is what counts. So when I get five stars, but the more reviews, the better. Right? And if you want to help us out and critique us a little bit, I'm down for some of that too. You know, not everything has to be, you know, just throwing smoke up our butts and telling us how great we are. Tell us what you think about the show. Um, remind me later to ask you about smoke up the butt there. Um, yeah. So ratings, <laughs> reviews, we'll take all those. Make sure you find us on all the, the social media uh, platform deals, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram. We are on all of those at Sons of UCF. We also have our own little uh, Facebook group, Sons of UCF, and our own uh, sort of personal Facebook page. It's Adam Mike Sons of UCF. So find all of us on that. Find uh, Mike on Twitter at UCF Mike one. Uh, those are all the accounts you need to follow. Oh, check out our YouTube, by the way, too. We have a YouTube channel, uh, Sons of UCF. You'll be able to uh, to stream our uh, our pregame show live uh, each and every 
game day before uh, before the game kicks off. You can find us there, myself, Mike, and our good old buddy, Trace Trilco. Hello, everyone. Uh, so make sure you, you check out that. Um, I think that's a lot of housekeeping stuff off the top, Mike. Is, I, did I miss anything? I feel like we're everywhere, but yet we're nowhere. How is that possible? <laughs> uh, well, the new stuff is everywhere. The old stuff is nowhere. <laughs> but, <laughs> we're dragging that joke around. Yes. Uh, YouTube is cool. We, we've posted some original stuff on YouTube that we've made over the last couple of years. You know, some of our interview stuff with uh, O'Leary and Shia Burley and Justin Holman. We got some cool clips on there. Some highlights from we were the ones who dug out the highlights from the Alabama game in 2000. So that, and along with our pregame show, it's something you definitely want to subscribe to. Get get there. Uh, we, we're working on some fun stuff too. Hopefully, we got a couple of. You know, I feel like we're always the show that doesn't get to do the whole big announcement coming up thing. Um, but I, hopefully, we have some big announcements coming up. We're working on some stuff. Uh, a really cool idea. I kind of hope that like. Whenever we tweet something that like you know we, we've got something good going on that that people get excited, I feel like we're we, we kind of have like the Josh Heupel bat signal. Whenever we get like a good recruit, you know we get something exciting happening. Hopefully, people trust us. It's going to be really cool. So we have a couple of uh, of cool things coming up too. One thing I haven't done, Mike, in I don't know ninety six episodes, but luckily no one knows because those don't exist anyway. Is uh, all the music on the show? I keep forgetting to mention this. All the music on the show comes from a friend of mine. Uh, he is, uh, he's on an Instagram page where he does all of his own music stuff. Uh, if you're on Instagram, find him at lyrics and loops. That's lyrics, the letter and loops. Uh, all the music is his original stuff and he lets us use it. And, uh, it sounds great. We've added in a bunch of new songs. Mike's got his picks of the week song. I actually layered in some songs, uh, over or underneath the, uh, the ad last week. Uh, the intro song is his as well. So make sure you find lyrics and loops on Instagram and, uh, and give him a follow. He's a good friend of mine and, uh, he's a nice guy who lets us use his stuff. And, uh, we appreciate that. As always, Mike, I know you've uh, you've seemed to have enjoyed the music for your pick segment. I think it's brought some pretty good luck. We did it the first season. I had a winning record last week. I mean, last year we went away from it. I had a losing record. And I'm doing pretty well this week with the music. So let's keep that thing going. All right. So the music will stay and, uh, and follow lyrics and loops to learn more about that. Okay. I think we've plugged everything we have to plug. So let's start plugging uh, UCF, Mike. Obviously, bye week. So uh, for the first time all season – no penalties, which is a which is a great thing for UCF. But uh, we are heading into Memphis, Mike. Uh, big game coming up on Saturday in Memphis, uh, at Memphis, I guess I should say. And uh, obviously, we've had a lot of history with Memphis over the past couple of seasons, and uh, usually things have worked out in our advantage. Uh, so before we go there, though, uh, you've had a week to sort of decompress from the Tulsa stuff. I know you were one of the uh, the folks who was, were pretty down and were pretty uh, disappointed about what this signaled for the season. Has anything changed for you in the, uh, in the, in the days that have since commenced since the, uh, the Tulsa debacle? Well, we all talked coming into the season that this was our year to make the playoff. Everything was in lined up for us. The big 10 wasn't playing. Now they are playing uh, teams like the big 12, the Texas and Oklahoma. They've already got two losses each. Everything's lined up perfect. As you see, Cincinnati's already number eight. How high would we be right now? Who knows? It's not even worth discussing anymore. That that dream is over. We're not making the playoff this year. But there's still plenty to play for. We still can win the conference. First of all, we have to get to the conference championship game. That's step number one. And it all starts now, this week, with an elimination game. I think it's an elimination game between us and Memphis. We both coming off a loss this past week. And if you have two losses, you're going to have a very hard time making the championship game. You got teams like SMU who haven't lost a game. Tulsa hasn't lost a game. Cincinnati hasn't lost a game. 
yes, we have head-to-heads with Cincinnati, but we don't get to play SMU, and we already lost to Tulsa. So if we lose another one, it's going to be very difficult for us to make it to the championship game. Memphis is uh, currently 3.1-1. and They beat uh, Arkansas State September 5th and didn't play for pretty much a whole month. They had games canceled and rearranged and all this other good stuff. They finally get back in the field Saturday, October 3rd, where they lost 30-27 to at SMU. So they've only had two uh, two games, Mike. Uh, and, and so you wonder if there's any rust. You wonder if that helps them. Uh, you wonder if uh, you know they're going to be healthier. Obviously, on the health perspective, uh, Josh Heupel was in front of the media today, and uh, we'll, we'll do some translation for you later on. Uh, he was asked about a lot of guys. He was very noncommittal. Um, uh, somebody, I think it was, uh, was it Brandon Helwig, I think, asked him about the running backs, referencing Otis Anderson, Greg McRae, and Ventavious Thompson, all of whom were banged up against Tulsa. And uh, he also threw Richie Grant in there for good measure. And Heupel's like, yep, we expect all those guys to, to, to be back. So I assume that means those guys are playing. When asked specifically about Trey Nixon and Marlon Williams, uh, he was less committal and said he did not have an update on those guys. Obviously, we know Trey's situation, Mike. We saw Marlon go down the last play of the game uh, against Tulsa. Don't have any update on, on that as well. So that's where we are with the injury front, Mike. Do you think, uh, I mean, hopefully the, these guys are back, right? And this is this was hopefully the week for them to all get rested and ready to go. Right. Good news with the running backs. Those guys all seem ready to go. The receivers, I don't know what to make of Hypo's comment. Is that him just not wanting to say anything? Is that gamesmanship with Memphis, not giving them anything? Maybe these guys are playing, maybe they're not. Or is this just bad news and he doesn't want to break it to us yet that these Marlon Williams and Trey Nixon will not be playing? And don't forget, Stretch Cradle has to sit out the first half of this game. That leaves our wide receiver core pretty slim. I mean, we still have some playmakers out there. We got Jalen Robinson, who's had a great first few games here. And we've got a bunch of young guys that now need to step up and, and do something here in Memphis. Yeah, that's a good point. I think people forget that about Stretch Cradle. Obviously, he had the, I guess, the world's only offensive targeting um, penalty I've ever seen. Uh, and so he has to sit out the first half of the uh, of the next game, so he won't be available until post-halftime. Um, you know, Mike, what do you what do you think that the players from a mind frame standpoint are coming in? I, I think everyone kind of talked about, you know, getting the bad taste out of their mouth from a loss. Are they going to be more focused? Are they going to be more disciplined? Uh, we've seen this a few different times under the Hypo regime where they've had to sort of rebound after a loss. Uh, they haven't lost back-to-backs under Hypo. So what do you uh, what do you think they are from a mind frame standpoint? Do you think it was a wake-up call? you think this is, uh, you, you know, are they going to start sleepwalking through the season now because they've got some adversity in front of them? No, cannot be that. That cannot be the case. They have to bounce back, just like they did last year. After the tough loss in Pittsburgh, they bounced back the next week with a win. The tough loss in Cincinnati came back with a win. Tulsa loss last year came back and followed that up with a few wins to finish the season. Has to be the same way this week. Has to be a resilient group. Put that loss behind us now. There's nothing we can do about it. We can't go back and and get that game back. So we still have everything here in front of us, and it starts this week. And just like a defensive back that gave up a long touchdown, you just got to have a short memory. Forget about it and just move on to the next play, next game, and – that's what we got to do starting Saturday afternoon. I would say the last time we were in Memphis was the let's go bone game uh, where UCF was down at halftime and uh, Mackenzie Milton came back and, and we ended up winning that game. 
uh, you know, by by a point there towards the end. Uh, so Tulsa and UCF, or I'm sorry, Tulsa. Wow, uh, uh, Memphis and UCF have a history. Like Memphis is is ready. They've been they've been making some comments about they they want to get back at UCF. This is their opportunity. Um, you know, do you give that any credence? Do you think that this is going to amp up Memphis even more? And and obviously going on the road is going to be much tougher. Uh, what do you think you're going to get out of Memphis, a team again that's one and one and and coming off a loss themselves? Oh yeah, we're getting everything these guys can throw at us. We've beat them 13 times in a row. Only have one loss to them, and that was 30 years ago. All yeah, go all the way back to 1990, the last time these guys beat us. The only time they beat us, and we've had some really close calls against them. There was a time there where Memphis was just the doormat of the Conference USA East, and we would just stomp on them for years. But then in 2013, we had a very close game. Remember, that's one of our best teams. And it took a stand-back hit on a kickoff and Dorico Johnson picking it up and going in the end zone. And then even that game wasn't over at that point when they were driving at the end of the game and Terrence Plummer had to come down with an interception in the end zone. That was the cardiac nights. And then, of course, in 2017, the blowout early in the year and then the championship game that ends up going to overtime, sending us to the Peach Bowl. And then you talked about 2018, the Let's Go Bone game. Follow that up with the conference championship game again where we're down big in the first half. The hypo arm flailing, piping up the crowd game where DJ Mack comes back and scores, what, six touchdowns or something in that game? And that's been what this history is, man. It's a bunch of close games and a bunch of blowouts. So we don't know what to expect. I expect a close game. If you had to pick between the two, I don't think we're going to see a blowout either way this week. So I expect another nail-biter coming down to the end. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. This is a must win, right? I mean, unfortunately, you know, I mean, every game is a must win in some respects, right? But this is lit- literally a must win game. Uh, to your point, it's, it's, a, it's almost a de facto playoff game this early in the season because the, the loser certainly is going to have, uh, if not an impossible road, a damn near impossible road. So UCF's got to bring the juice. I know we had this juiceless or useless crap that, that Hypo was, was spitting. And then, you know, obviously that did not turn out so well uh, against Tulsa. I mean, this, this has got to be it, Mike. I mean, this is... You know, I don't want to say this is a tenure-defining game for Heupel, right? But it, it kind of is. If you know, this is his opportunity to say, okay, you know what, we stubbed our toe and we have some things we have to learn. But yeah, this is this is a game where he can, you know, cement uh, his his coaching ability. And I don't want to put it all on on one game, right? Because he's had a couple of good seasons. But it feels like this is this is is this not the biggest game in his career yet? Is that is that hyperbole if I say that? Well, I mean, I guess the Fiesta Bowl would have been the biggest game as <laughs> a New Year's Six game against LSU. If he wins that game, then I don't know how you get bigger than that. But uh, to this point now in regular season, I guess it has to be, seeing that we already lost this game. And a loss this week, which would basically knock us out of the championship game, that makes this season a complete disappointment. Because right now, yeah, we're not going to make the playoff, but we can still get to the conference championship game, win the conference. It's still a good season. It's a season you can put up on on the stadium wall, 2020 conference champs. It's, that's a good year. Coming into the year, that's got to be the goal every year. If after four games, we're basically eliminated from the conference championship game, that's a disappointing year. Any way you scratch it, I don't care if we win the rest of the games, we could still finish third in this conference in the season where we were all predicting us to go undefeated. So if you look at it that way, it could be his biggest game ever. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I guess the Fiesta Bowl obviously was a bigger stage, bigger magnitude, right? Obviously, more people, more eyeballs. New Year's Six game, you know. But that that loss, 
you know, if, if we had won that game, I don't think we all knew we weren't going to, you know, we weren't in the playoff. We weren't going to get a national championship where right? we were going to go two years back to back, probably would have said, you know, another national championship that we would have talked about. But, um, you know, losing that game, we were all bummed in the end of the winning streak. But it was still like, hey, you know what, you know, this, this future, you know, is, is bright and, and all these things. Um, you know, th- th- this one feels like, you know, this is this is like I don't want to do this. The Miami Heat thing. But this one's for the culture, right? This one's for the the running gun UCF fast everything that we stand for this is our opportunity now uh you know we we all and and us you know me and you included we all took a hammer last week to hypo's system is offense is this going to work you know and so this this one feels like it's it's sort of for for the blueprint um for you know for the entirety of of what hypo is trying to do as a coach and I don't want to make it seem that big cuz ultimately a lot of people hear us say this and go wait a minute if we finish the season you know, seven and two, you know, UCF fans, I mean, there were some years we, you know, we barely won two games, right? I, I get all that, but those times have changed. And especially in a shortened season like this, with the conferences, the way that they are, um, you know, without playing non-cons with, uh, you know, uh, the American having one less team and all the sort of the, the tomfoolery that now goes around, Mike, I mean, th- this feels like it has the potential to be um, you know, that, that defining moment, I guess up until this point to me, I think the defining hypo moment was that Memphis championship game where we were getting housed at halftime. DJ Mack had fumbled, I think three times and, you know, things are looking bleak and he comes out and he does the arm wave to the crowd and gets everything pumped up. And, you know, before you know it, the, the tables turn, I think that was the, the previous, you know, defining moment of hypo's coaching career. I feel like this, is, this is the next one, good or bad, uh, coming up on Saturday. His two biggest wins at UCF have to be the two wins against Memphis, right? The let's go bone game, which is still the biggest play call he's made in the last two and a half years. And then that comeback in the championship game. Those are his two biggest wins. What other win does he have? That's bigger. I don't think there is one. What other win does he have that? I mean, Stanford, I guess would get talked about mm-hmm. um, just because yeah, they're a P five. Right. Um, Cincinnati, I mean, the college game day atmosphere, but I don't know how good a team that really was, but I guess that would be the other one people would, would probably point to. You're right. Okay. I'll give you the, the Cincinnati one was a good one. The, the Stanford, I mean, what did Stanford end of the year? Five and six that last year? Yeah. It turns out they weren't that great. Yes. But but for the big scheme of things, that, that Memphis game in 2013 at Memphis sent us basically to the championship game or gave it to us at home and then winning the championship game. I mean, there's nothing bigger than winning. Actually, unless you're going to the playoff or winning a New Year's Six game, that winning the conference championship is the best we can hope for. Well, uh, the other thing, so uh, we dropped out of the polls. So I know we had been hanging on in a few polls. Uh, that bye week really killed us. We we fell on out of the polls, which is probably not to be unexpected. I think Memphis is still ranked. Aren't they still ranked, Mike? I should have looked that up quickly before. I don't think they are. I don't uh, think they are. I thought they were ranked in one poll. Um but maybe but, receiving votes, maybe receiving votes. Yeah. But, uh, it's a three thirty kick, uh, in, uh, in Memphis, uh, ABC game, Mike, another prime time, um, another prime spot. I don't want to call it prime time, another prime spot game for UCF. What do you think? Uh, what do you make of the time slot? Well, that's pretty cool because we figured these two teams would both have to be ranked to get that three thirty ABC game. And here we are. Neither one of us are ranked. We're both coming off a loss. We still get 3.30 on ABC, so, uh, but it's, it's cool. Three out of our first four games on the big network, which did we even have more than three games ever on ABC? I know the South Carolina game was once an ABC game, and obviously the New Year's Six games. Actually, 
The Peach Bowl was an ESPN game, I believe, right? Yes, that's correct. And, and the Fiesta Bowl, too, probably. Um, uh, possibly, yeah. And even the first Fiesta Bowl, I think, was an ESPN. So all the New York Six games have been, I think, on ESPN. Uh, we've had a few ABC games, but now three out of the first four regular season games, including one against East Carolina. I mean, that's our brand over the last couple of years. What we've built up now is the reason we're getting on ABC and why we're not on ESPN Plus like the cows are every week. Uh, you were correct. Memphis not ranked. They are uh, others receiving votes. They had 12 for context. UCF has 57. So um, we'll see how this uh, how this sort of uh, catapults UCF. But obviously, again, Saturday, 3.30, uh, uh, a big one. Uh, may, may clear, clear your calendar, clear your schedule, get in front of the TV. If you, if you can't make it to the game, I know Memphis is allowing fans. I think a, you know, it sounds like a healthy majority of people are trying to get a, to get out there to see the game, obviously. You know, challenges abound with with COVID and and whatnot, but uh, looks like some folks are going to get out there, Mike. So we will get a, a crowd on hand, um, and and we'll see how that goes. No matter what happens, though, two thirty Saturday, uh, get to your Facebook, get to your Twitter, get to your YouTube, and uh, and search up Sons of UCF. We will be with a live pregame show. Uh, we uh, got some unique things. We're going to try again. We've had some really good feedback. We've had a lot of fun. So join me, Mike, and Trace. This upcoming Saturday, two uh, thirty Eastern ish, for a uh, for a live pregame show. Mike should be another fun one. Yep, uh, kind of missed it this week. We didn't get to do it, but I guess we needed that week off to regroup. But yeah, it's gonna be cool, man. If you haven't watched the first three, I don't know what the heck you're doing. Uh, get in, get online, watch uh, the pregame show, get ready for the game with us. Three guys that love UCF more than anybody. And then we bring out some cool guests every week. I don't know who we have lined up yet for this week. I'm sure we'll find somebody. And it'll be a good time. Better than college game day, I think, already. Yeah. Well, I mean, college game day will be over by that time. But don't worry about that. Either way, it's better than whatever crappy noon window game you may get. Uh, so uh, so watch us, and, and we'll keep you UCF-informed. Uh, about what's happening, so we don't have a game breakdown, Mike, because there is no game. But don't you worry; I've always got the always got something cooking here. So you have not seen these yet, but I'm going to uh, give you a series of I think I put eight here, eight different statements, and I want you to fill in the blank. Okay, so uh, there will be obviously a word missing, and you get to input the word as you see fit. Do you uh, do you understand what I'm getting at here? Do you are you good? Do you have any questions? Does the answer only have to be one word? Can it be no, oh no, you can. Are there you any can, rules? No, you can. You can do whatever you want, my friend. Uh, all right, all right. Here's, no expletives, I guess. Right. I mean, if if you, the they, they gotta let them fly, you gotta let them fly. What are you gonna do? Here's the first one. Ready? <laughs> Not having blank on the field this season has been the biggest loss for UCF. Not having blank on the field has been the biggest loss for UCF. Not having blank. Uh, Parker Boudreaux. Okay. Because we've seen the offensive line struggles. We've seen them the false starts and all that. If we can get some kind of uh, consistency in the offensive line, and we talked about it going back to week one, where how many different combinations on the offensive line do we have? And, yeah, that's to get guys work and, and get them to play different positions in case something happens with COVID. Everybody's got to be familiar with different spots. But at the same time, your offensive line has to be a unit that you can depend on where everybody knows exactly what they're doing at all times. If you have the same five in the same spot every week, that automatically will will lead to more consistency, more uh, cohesiveness on your offensive line, 
a lot less penalties you would think. So I think we miss Parker Boudreaux. We miss him in the run game, opening up holes. Uh, that's the first one that popped in my head. Do you have a better answer? Well, so I, I tried to anticipate what I thought you might say, right? So you're, you're a trickster. So I thought you'd say not having discipline on the field has been the biggest loss for UCF, the loss of discipline. <laughs> I also thought you maybe you'd go Tay Gowan. I wasn't sure if you'd go Tay Gowan. Our defense has been pretty good. Obviously, our corners are young. Um, Zamari Maxwell's had a couple of, of ant moments here and there. Um, and obviously, we're breaking in some some true freshmen on the other side with the injuries to Richie Grant and, and Antoine Collier. Um, I thought Tay Gowan might be another one. But again, defense has been pretty solid. Offensively, I guess Trey Nixon was the other one that, that you maybe you go with. So I, I thought I had you penciled in for either going off the board with discipline or going with uh, Tay Gowan or Trey Nixon. Right. Gowan's an interesting one. But yes, like you said, the defense has been causing turnovers every week. So I, that didn't come to my head right away. I, I think I went Boudreaux because the offensive line has been basically a disappointment. It's been probably the weakest link so far. And the reason why we couldn't get the, the ball moving so uh, against Tulsa in the second half. So I think we have him, a veteran on the offensive line, that would help settle things down a little bit more. All right, here we go. Here's the next one. If UCF had played and beaten North Carolina as they were scheduled to play, the loss to Tulsa would have been blank. Oh, would it have been the same thing. <laughs> we, we would have been, instead of number 11 going into the game against Tulsa, we might have been top 10. We might have been 8, 9. But then we would have lost to Tulsa. We'd still be knocked out of the top 25. So it would have been the same thing. It didn't matter who we beat before. It's the fact that we actually lost the game. Everybody would still find that one reason to just knock us off our perch. Yeah, I, I actually said it, it would have been worse. Because if we had beaten North Carolina, a team that looks pretty good, you know, their quarterback Sam Howell looks looks pretty solid. That would have been a, a good shootout of young quarterbacks in the bounce house. Again, obviously, I understand, you know, fans and whatnot could have been a challenge, right? But uh, that would have made the, the Tulsa the loss even worse because then we're coming in, you know, uh, assuming we played them, assuming we played Georgia Tech, assuming we play ECU, and everything stays the same after that, you know, we'd have been to your point a three and one, a three and O UCF team probably in the top eight, nine even. Um, you know, having an opportunity to, you know, continue on our season. This could be your playoff opportunity. And if we had dropped it to Tulsa, I, I think that would actually would have made me feel worse than I felt last week. So you would feel worse right now. Everything the same except add in a win against North Carolina. Yes. <laughs> yes. You see how that doesn't make sense? <laughs> I do. I absolutely do. I'm not adding this isn't called the sons of making sense. This is called the sons of UCF. And for me, I see I would be so upset because then I would know that we were really good. Because if we could if we could dominate a and again I said win, I didn't say dominate. If we could beat a North Carolina team that we know is is pretty solid and, and has an opportunity to uh, to make some noise in the ACC and then go out and lay an egg against Tulsa, I would have been even just, I would have been pissed. And maybe that wouldn't have dropped us all the way out. Maybe they'd give us some credit for beating North Carolina, but to, to know that we were that good and, and cause listen, we, we knew we didn't play great against Georgia tech, but we felt pretty good about it. We knew we had some moments against ECU, but we just were, were too much for them. You know, but if we had put together a great North Carolina win, I think we would have been even more cocky as a fan base, more confident. And then Tulsa would have come in and just right on, right. The sales sales just go right away. Well, you said the key thing. If we beat North Carolina, then we would know that we are actually good. Do we know that we're really that good right now, having beat Georgia Tech and East Carolina? We haven't proven it. Those teams are nothing to write home about. So Memphis is going to be our best win if we can pull this off on Saturday. 
Uh, we have a couple of other opportunities later on down the road with Cincinnati and Houston is actually looking good after one game. So we have, we have other chances, but right now we have not proven that we're actually good. We're good in our own minds, or we were anyway, up until the Tulsa game. That's a good point. A, I mean, I don't, who writes home anymore, but B, that's the thing is I don't know if we know if we're good. I think we all think we're good. I think we know we're supposed to be good. I think we know we have the talent to be good. And I think that's where we kind of are as a fan base is like, it just feels like, wait, why, why aren't we, we're supposed to be good. This is, this is what we're supposed to do. And I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. Like we, you know, we don't, we probably don't know if we're good. We we should be, all the signs are there. All the players are there, all the talents there. We've seen it happen before, but you know, putting, uh, putting it on the field consistently uh, is, is going to be important. And obviously we have another big opportunity to do that this week, Mike. All right. Here's your next, uh, here's your next uh, fill in the blank. If there is a hot seat for any coach on the staff, it cur- currently belongs to blank. Toast. Yeah, I agree. That's what I thought you'd say, too. <laughs> because I'm not putting a hype on the hot seat yet. Now, if you want to say he loses one or two more games and we don't compete for a championship at the end, then the seat's definitely getting warmer. That's for sure. But special teams has been a big disappointment now for a few years. And we've talked about it a bunch of times our kick return game has gone downhill in the last few years we haven't seen any big returns not just kick returns for touchdowns but any really big good returns nothing out to the other side of the field to start a drive um kick coverages haven't been good penalties we've had um we've had uh missed kick our our kicking game hasn't been that great Uh, we, we talked about the kickoffs going out of bounds last year uh, special teams all around. Uh, the discipline, lack of discipline this past week, throwing helmets from our long snapper. I think. I still can't believe that happened, teams. by the way. How did that happen? <laughs> it's like he thought it was the football. What did he think? I don't even. All right, never mind. That was like a Roger Clemens throwing the bat at Piazza. <laughs> <moment>. Yes. <Like, laughs> um, and yeah, Randy Shannon, everybody gets on him for first half, Randy, second half, Randy. Overall, the defense has been pretty solid. We create turnovers, keep us in all the games. Uh, I'm not going to put hype on the hot seat. I'm not going to put Shannon on the hot seat. So I guess I have to go with Toth. I figure Toth or Ellerby is where you'd go. Um, ah, Ellerby, yeah. though, you, you know, obviously there's a relationship with Coach Heupel, and not that I, you know, don't think that Heupel would make a decision if it was in the best interest of the team and the program. But, you know, I didn't, you know, I don't know how I feel about that one. Um, here, here's here's the other thing that you, you know, people should remember with with Coach Toth. When, uh, when Frost left in 17, the season after the next season, 18, so Heupel's first year, was the first year that they allowed an, a, another assistant coach to be on the staff. So another full-time coach position was added. For those who remember, UCF's uh, special teams under the under the Frost era was actually coached by uh, Joven DeWitt, who was actually the, also the linebackers coach. So there wasn't even a dedicated special teams coach for those two seasons. And yet, to your point, we were explosive. We had Mike Hughes, which helps out a lot. We were running some of these tricks, swinging gate formations, right? It looked like we knew what the hell we were doing on special teams. And now we have an actual coach who is dedicated to the special teams. I'm sure he has more responsibilities than that, of course. But, you know, he's he's essentially working with the specialists in that, in that unit every day. And we've, we've regressed to an extent. We haven't gotten uh, sharper or better than we did when we had sort of a part-time coach looking after special teams. And I'm, I'm sure I'm marginalizing the work that coaches did then, but I think you get the drift. It's, it's interesting that we now have a, de- a dedicated coach and we haven't really seen the results, you know, bear that out. The very first play of the season this year, these guys, we almost gave up a kick return for a touchdown. Uh, how many turnovers have we had now on, on special teams? We just saw a fumble on the kickoff of Johnny Richardson the other day. 
So it, it has been a disappointment. It's something we got under O'Leary. We always had good special teams. That's the hidden yardage you used to always talk about. We always had good return games and Quincy McDuffie and Rennell Hall and all those. We always had that was a big difference smoke, in a lot of games. Smoke and Joe. Yeah, Smoke and Joe. I mean, we always won the special teams battle. And now we're losing it. And talk about all three phases of the game. That, that's a phase that we're giving up basically every week. All right, let's go. Uh, let's go a little bit more specific here. Try to go on the positive side. Um, blank has been a real bright spot on defense. Uh, well, I mean, Seliscar, obviously, in the first game, we only played three games, and he had one of the best games of anybody on the defense. Okay. That's the first one that pops in my head, Joshua Seliscar. Um, hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to blank here. You want to say linebackers? Eh, linebackers. They haven't been great, but they've been okay. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. I I jotted down Salascar. Uh, I jotted down uh, Eric Gilliard. Um, and I, I know we expected him to to be this guy, Mike. But Richie Grant, um, you know, two tur- uh, two ints on the year already. We saw him uh, lay a big hit on uh, Jeff Sims in the Georgia Tech game. I know we expected him, and he was he was a name we were all looking at. But I think we all also said last season, you know, we didn't, we didn't, we weren't sure if he had, you know, really maximized what we thought we were going to get out of him. So we were looking for a big year out of him. So I think he's been a real bright spot on defenses. It seems like the, I don't call it the Richie of old because I don't know that he went anywhere, right? But it seems like the Richie Grant that we saw two years ago uh, is has certainly been back um, during the first three games so far. So I think Richie Grant's an option um, in terms of sort of a bright spot. Right. Yeah. Well, I was thinking Bryce, but I was thinking some, something we didn't expect, but you're right. Richard Crane has been the most solid player over the first few games and he did get banged up in that last game, but he's ready to go coming back this week. So hopefully we still have a big year coming from him. All right. Here's the flip of that question on defense. We need to get more out of blank. The defensive line, getting some pressure on quarterbacks some sacks. We got a sack early in the Tulsa game. It was a solid scar again. Broke through. But not enough, man. We're not getting enough pressure on the quarterbacks. We're not hitting the quarterback enough. I don't know. If it's just the way teams are scheming against us. But we're just not able to. Tulsa was getting pressure on us, and they only brought a few linemen. And we, we seem to be giving up pressure a lot. And, and Dylan has to move around a little bit. But we're not doing it on defense. Where's Traymond Morris Brash? Mm-hmm. We talked about him. He hasn't made a big impact yet this year. Um, Tunier, he's been all right, but I don't remember him really having a breakout game yet. So to me, the defensive line has been a little dis- disappointed. Yeah, I actually put TMB, Tremont Morris Brash, um, is what I thought you might say because I know you were high on him coming into the season, as as we all were. We saw he had a fantastic game uh, in the Gasparilla Bowl, and uh, I think we all were were thinking this kid was poised to to really take that step this season. Uh, obviously, we lost some some guys on the front. We lost Brendan Hayes, so we knew we had the opportunity to have another rusher on the outside to to join Randy Charlton. And I think we were all hoping it'd be TMB. And and so far, he just you know he, he hasn't really been there as, as much. Um, and uh, and again, we we I feel like we harp on this every week, and I, I feel bad for bagging on a 19 year old kid. But you know, his own coaching staff said basically, you know, this kid can can be as great as he wants to be. You know, we just need to know if he wants to be great. And I paraphrase that, of course, but. Uh, man, I just keep hoping that that light will flip on for him and, and uh, he'll turn into the monster I think we know he can be. Right. And like we just said, it's only been three games. We've still got a long way to go in this season. 
he can turn it on. Remember last year, he didn't get even much playing time early in the year. He came on late in the season. But this is his second year now. He he's, should have made a big impression or a big jump going from year one to year two. And now we're just not seeing him get on the field as much. And I guess that has to do with what's going on in practice every week. Hopefully starting this week, he can start turning things around. It, it takes one big play. It takes a big sack in a big spot in a big game like this one coming up. You know, uh, a big third down stop or a big turnover right when we need it the most. And, and then every, the whole narrative changes, you know, and then he takes off from there. So hopefully we see that coming up. All right. Next one for you. I'd like to see us get blank more involved in our offense. Uh, Otis. And it seems like we've been saying this for four years now. Otis Anderson. I know we tried and last week or last game, we, we were kind of, forced to use him with injuries to, to Greg McRae. Just using him differently, though. I, I don't want to just keep seeing him with the runs up the middle. Yeah, we, every once in a while we got to sprinkle that in, but get him in some more creative spots, maybe some wheel routes or some something out of the slot, some some way to get him the ball more on a, a sweep or something. I don't know. we got to find some way to get this guy involved, and, and we know how explosive he can be. And we saw him, even as the number one running back in the Temple game last year, have a huge game over 200 yards. So he's capable. Uh, I just hope Hypo finds a way to do it. Yeah, I put two things down here. I actually put down one player because this guy's been impressive. He hasn't played a ton, but I feel like he's he's been out there. He's made plays. I put Ryan O'Keefe down as one option. The other thing I put down is I'd like to see us get more um, two running back sets involved in our offense. I think you and I have been screaming about this for years. Yeah, imagine a, a matchup where you have both, you know, McRae and, and Otis coming out of the backfield together, right? Uh, you know, and, and the versatility you could have, you know, swing pass, screen pass, you know, run. Uh, I, I feel like you have a lot of options, you know, when, when we have some some double back sets, particularly with guys like we have in our speed um, and, and have the ability to kind of work more over the middle and keep the defense honest and get us, you know, more one-on-one matchups on the outside for a receiver. So, and, and you know, I'm no football offensive savant, but – you know, again, you and I screamed about this for years with AK and Otis, and why can't we ever have these guys in the game at the same time? Imagine defense is trying to figure out how to how to match up with those two guys. You know, I think the same could be true of Otis and McRae, um, and, and even you know McRae and Bentavious, or you know Otis and Bentavious. I, I think the same thing could be true. So I put two running back sets more involved in our offense. Yeah, we saw the one time we broke it out in the Fiesta Bowl against LSU for the two point conversion, and it worked beautifully. And why don't we use it more often? I don't know. It doesn't fit into Hypo's playbook, but that we, as we all know, that has to expand. That has to change. All right, this is kind of an easy one, or maybe it's not. I don't know. Dylan Gabriel is blank. Uh, <laughs> right. He's so many things. He he's very good. <laughs> he's very he, good. He, he is not Mackenzie Milton yet. Okay. You want to do it that way? Yeah, we know the potential the kid has. And the first two weeks, he looked fantastic. And he can throw a deep ball as, as pretty as anybody. But the one thing he hasn't done that Milton did so many times is just turn those bad plays into something positive. And how about in the Peach Bowl when even Milton wasn't hitting on all cylinders throwing the ball? He was, he was off target. But anytime Auburn got pressure on him, he was able to escape and get a first down and run for 15, 20 yards. That changes drives. That changes everything. It changes the whole game. We haven't been able to really see him do that yet. 
but it's, he's capable of it. We know he can do it. I don't know why he holds back sometimes or is he being told to hold back, but I'd love to see him let loose with his feet a little bit more. So I, I kind of took liberties with the question. So Dylan, or Dylan Gabriel is a guy who needs to be unleashed. Is what I, that's what I wrote down because I think to your point, I guess you and I said the same thing here. It, you feel like there's so much more the kid can do. I actually got lost in a, uh, a Dylan Gabriel rabbit hole. There was a really cool piece about him um, and, and the Orlando Sentinel on Sunday. And actually, he actually did a really cool thing of, of calling out Matt Mirschel, who wrote that piece and said, hey, thanks for writing that. That was awesome. But I found myself kind of going down a rabbit hole of old Dylan Gabriel highlights on YouTube and whatnot. And you see this kid running around making plays. Now, granted, he was all like, he looks like he was 116 pounds, right? Uh, but you saw, you know, his, his high school football, so I get it's wide open and, you know, athletes and blah, blah, blah. But you saw him running around making plays. And, and, and to your point, yeah, that's that's the part you'd, you'd love to see him have the ability to kind of get some of that creativity there. And that's really what McKenzie was, was known for is making something good out of something bad or making something okay out of something bad. You know, McKenzie had the knack, and what separated him, I think, from others is he had the knack of taking, you know, a, a two-yard loss and making it into a 60-yard touchdown, right? Um, you know, and Dylan doesn't need to do that. It'd be great if he did, but just take a two-yard loss and, and make it a four-yard gain, you know, or, or, or take a broken play and, and get us, you know, get us five yards out of the deal, right? Um, and, and you know, if the, if the outside hitch isn't there, you know, what, what are we going to do to sort of come back and, 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 you know, get something positive? I think that's the part where he doesn't, you know, I'd be great if he wants to be McKenzie, but he doesn't need to be that. But I'd love to see him get a little bit unchained. I just don't want to see him. This is going to sound really negative, and I don't mean it to be negative, but I don't want to see him get pigeonholed as a system quarterback, right? As an air raid, all the guy can do is just throw the deep ball. And trust me, he throws a hell of a deep ball. Um, and all the guy can do is throw a deep ball and throw it long. And, and it's all in screen passes and deep balls. That's all he can do. Cause I think he's more than that. So I'd like to see if there's a way we can sort of get him unleashed to, uh, to show us what that is. Right. In 2017, how many sacks did we give up? And a lot of that is the offensive line was very good. I don't know. The answer was under uh, 10. I think it's like seven, maybe six sacks the whole entire year. But the big reason for that is because of Mackenzie Milton able to just escape pressure and turn those sacks into even like you said, if it's not a touchdown, just four or five yards and keep the chains moving, Get, turn it into a first down. And that's something we haven't seen him do yet, which we know he can do. And you're right. You, you don't want to see him labeled as something that he doesn't have to be because he can make every throw. He can not only make the deep balls, he's very accurate on short passes. And I'd love to see him throw a little bit more over the middle if we can use that part of the field that that would just open up everything because we know he can throw it down the sidelines we know he can do screen passes i want to see him do slants i want to see him hit the tight end on third and 10 over the middle for 12 yards those are the things we haven't seen yet yeah i mean i'm watching as you and i are recording i'm watching the the chargers and the saints play monday night football and Justin Herbert, the Chargers quarterback, just, you know, he faked to one side, right? And he turned back around. He threw a little screen bubble pass to the other side, right? He's he's moving defenses. Around. I mean, I, I feel like not that this is complex stuff, but I feel like those those are just the creative little things that we could see, um, you know, we could see him do. And we just, you know, I feel like we haven't seen it. Um, 13 sacks given up in 2017, if I have this correct. 13 sacks given up. So not quite How about six. these uh... – <laughs> How about the uh, run pass options that we saw Blake Bortles break out so well in 2013 where actually he could run it. We're talking in and then he has a ch chance to, when he's off on the side to, to make a pass out of it too. We don't see that that much. We see him do 
the fake, you know, like on every play where he fakes the handoff, but I think that's predetermined whether he's going to throw it or not before that. And that's just a, a decoy kind of thing. I like to have him see a true run pass option where he's reading the defense, he's run, reading the run. And then even once he keeps it, he still has that option to throw it later. Yeah. I think those are, he gets to the line and try to read it, you know, kind of reads the defense to figure out where he wants to go with it too but even it's it was one play actually it was two plays but it was one play that i remember the uh the actual the the one that counted the the hescock touchdown pass against ecu that was a beautiful play i don't we hadn't run that play in and i don't know how long hescock just kind of did a little stutter a little stutter step like he was going to block you know gabriel just floated out there and all of a sudden there was hescock wide open for a touchdown right easy pitch and catch we didn't have to go long we didn't have to do a bubble screen to the outside right like sure we could have run the ball and done something fancy from a running perspective but you know we didn't have to do all those things it was just a nice little easy pitch and catch same thing with the with the touchdown that was called back it was almost the exact same play opposite side of the, of the field at that point um you know, more the wide side of the field on, on that one. But, you know, just easy, simple plays that, that, you know, worked brilliantly because of the way that we set our offense up. And that's the thing I don't – I feel like Hypel and, and this is where I want to see Gabriel have the opportunity, is set up one play to set up the next, right? Like, you know, he knows people think we're going deep. Like, imagine all of a sudden you pop somebody over the middle and, and you do that two or three times, or at least you try it two or three times, then you got to keep people honest again. And all of a sudden, does it open more things up? Again, I'm not an offensive coach, but I, I just think there's some, some handcuffs that – yeah, I'd love to see us take off Dylan Gabriel. That's all. All right. I think we got to start off this Memphis game with a couple plays that nobody's seen yet. Right. Just to get them thinking. And then if you want to go back to the bread and butter, go ahead. But you got to keep that mixed in there, at least early, to get them off their toes. All right. Here's, I got two more for you. If, and this, of course, is a big if, if UCF can win at Memphis on Saturday, they will be ranked blank in the next poll. Oh, yeah, I think we'd be back in, depending, obviously, on what happens everywhere else. I'll put us at 22. Okay. Yeah, I I actually had 23 written down, so that's kind of where I put us at, too. Now, you don't know who's going to lose in front of us. Uh, This is, I think, uh, what is it? Uh, Yeah, this is the last weekend before the Big Ten starts. So the Big Ten, I believe they kick off on the 24th, so this will be the last poll without an actual Big Ten team playing. I'm sure all Northwestern needs to do is beat Iowa like 10-9. They'll be ranked like 17th somehow. Um, so you never know what's going to happen there. But um, but I, I feel like 22, 23, 24 is probably the right range. Um, you know, again, Memphis is a solid team road a road win against a, you know, a, a team that obviously had some success last year. I think that's a, a pretty fair number. Right. And the Big Ten teams that are in, they're already in. So they, you would think they're not going to. If there's a Big Ten team that's not in this week and then they're going to add another one <laughs> without them playing another game, I don't think that's happening. So I'd have to look at the bottom of the rankings who the bottom 20 to 25 teams are and who they're playing this week. But, yeah, we should be able to jump in with, with a good quality win. And it also depends on how we win. If we go in there and beat Memphis up, I think that says a lot too. Last one. This is the hardest one. I can't wait for your answer here. <laughs> if Josh Heupel's tenure – at UCF ends tomorrow, he will be most remembered as blank. Check it, man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You might not be wrong, actually. (laughs) Easy way out. I like it, but you might not, you might not be wrong. (laughs) Uh, Well, it depends on what happens afterwards. Cause if the next guy comes in and the train keeps rolling and we continue with successful football, then he's a good 
transition coach from Heupel to whoever the next guy is. If the next guy comes in and things start falling down, then he can be looked at as the turning point of, man, we really screwed up on capitalizing where we were when I, when Frost left and Heupel didn't keep us where we needed to be. We kind of went backwards from the first year where he went undefeated and lost to to LSU to the next year where he lost three games to now losing to Tulsa again. So it, it can go either way, and I think a lot of it depends on who would take over after. Well, that's, this is such a hard question, right? And I wrote it purposely hard because if I had said on Sunday, if his tenure came to an end, how would he be remembered? And if I told you we lost 50 to nothing, if I told you we won 50 to nothing, right, your answer would change. And if I said, wait till the end of the season, how how would he be remembered? And then I told you we were, you know, we were eight and one and went to the New Year six game, or we were, you know, we were five and uh, five and four and uh, didn't, you know, didn't play in a bowl game. So I think all of it's going to be relevant to, to what the results are. So I try to kind of take that out of that. I think, you know, if, if his tenure ends tomorrow, I think he'll be remembered as a, as a really good young head coach who had uh, an exciting brand of offense that, uh, was able to, you know, put up some really good numbers and, and set some records, um, you know, but I, I don't know. Will people look at him, you know, as, uh, as a winner, will they look at him as an innovative coach, will they look at him as, you know, uh, a, a great recruiter? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to hear what other people will, will think and say when this comes out and when they hear this question on, on how they'll remember Heupel. Um, but it, you know, obviously it's, it's fresh on people's minds right now because of, I guess the, you know, how they feel, but I'd, I'd be curious to, to think, you know, if you look back and, and zoom out big picture, you know, how you really think that, he, you know, he has comported himself here as the coach. Well, he's won most of the games that we should have won, and he's lost some games that we should have won. He hasn't won any games that we should not have won, which I guess not really his fault because we had pretty much been favored in every game that he's been here as coach. But we didn't beat LSU. What other game really the last few years – were we supposed to lose? And, and he went in there and won that game. He got to coach somebody. It hasn't happened yet. And I don't know. His first chance, this might be this year or later in the Cincinnati game, if we're not favored, but even though we were going to be at home, we probably will be favored depending on what, but Cincinnati is seven and zero going into that game. And we have two, three losses. We may not be. So, uh, would, he hasn't, would you say, it's fa- like is it fair to say he would be remember as a coach who had unreasonable expectations placed upon him? Well, yeah, that's that is true. <laughs> We've expected him to win every single game he's been here, and that's just not realistic. And it didn't. I guess he didn't help his cause by winning every single game <laughs> that first year. Yeah. <laughs> so it kind of put him behind the eight ball for the next two years. And any loss, like the losses we've had, have killed. We've killed them for it. But the Tulsa games, we were huge favorites in those games. And last year we were a 17, 16 point favorite on the road. Yeah. This year we're at home and we lose to the same guys. Uh, the Pittsburgh game, that the reason nobody thought we would lose that game is because the year before we beat the crap out of those out of Pittsburgh. Right? We, we destroyed them at home and we went into that game coming off the Stanford game. I didn't think there was any way we'd lose to those guys. Um, the Cincinnati game last year, same thing. We had beat the crap out of them the year before. Uh, and I didn't think we would lose to them. And there we did. So... All our losses were in games where we all, as a fan base, went into thinking not only that we should win, but that we would easily win. Right? I didn't think even this year, the Tulsa game, even after having seen it last year, having seen us lose them last year, how many UCF fans thought we were going to lose Tulsa again this year? I don't think any. 
maybe there's one or two guys, pessimistic guy that always had thinks we're going to lose every game. Uh, you couldn't find five guys that would have thought that we were going to lose to them again. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I think you said it perfectly earlier, right? When you said he he has not coached in a game yet that we didn't expect him to win, right? And you think about, you know, O'Leary and you think about Frost, right? They coached in some games that we weren't sure if they could win. We wanted them to win. We felt like we could win, but we also wouldn't have been like, oh, man, you know, wow, we, we can't believe we lost that game, right? If we had lost to Auburn, it would have sucked. And, you know, but no one would have been like, how do you lose that game, right? So I, I think that's that's the interesting thing part uh, about the Hypo experience so f- thus far is he hasn't had the benefit of that because unfortunately the groundwork's been laid and, and he's you know he he's been a big part of that too so I'm definitely curious to get your thoughts out there as a as a listener on what you or how you remember Hypo you've had some chance to kind of calm down hopefully after the Tulsa loss um, you know maybe answer this question before the Memphis game and maybe after see how it changes your mind but you know, find us on Twitter and let us know what you think. And, uh, and, and maybe we'll throw some of those comments in, uh, maybe the pregame show will bring this back. Who, who knows when this will come back up, but Mike, let's take a quick little commercial, uh, break right about now. And then we'll come back. And, uh, even though there's no games, Mike and I have UCF observations for you, although maybe not so UCF, uh, quick commercial break back after this. All right. Even though there was uh, no actual UCF game, that doesn't mean that Mike and I stop our research uh, we are always, uh, you know, pen and, and paper in hand, just jotting down all these notes. We have no one to share them with because no one else will listen to us. We've tried. I've tried talking to my wife for years. Nothing. So uh, we're going to we're going to lay these all on you, Mike. So are you ready for another week of UCF observations? I'll let you lead off. I am ready. All right. Here you go. You're up. All right. By weeks where all the other Florida teams lose are actually a lot of fun. Yeah, everybody went down uh, this week, uh, and yet uh, Miami and Florida stayed ranked. So what are you going to do? Um, hey, I'm a Cowboys fan. The Cowboys, Mike, are in first place in the NFC East. Can you believe it? Two and three, first place in the NFC East. The only problem is they've also given up the most points in the league, 180. So giving up the most points, two and three first place team. Go Cowboys. The freaking Giants were very close to being in first place. <laughs> Could have won that game. Uh... The Gators' defense cannot stop a nosebleed. These guys are terrible. Speaking of the Cowboys, they've only given up um, 20 more points than the Jets, who are 0-5. (laughs) Florida gave up 41 points to Texas A&M. That's a team that's only scored 17 against Vanderbilt. So don't tell me how good Texas A&M is. Florida's defense is just that bad. Anchored down. Uh, a week after Texas has weighed in, Mike, turns out the U isn't back either. <laughs> uh, I kind of had that one. But, uh, <laughs> when it's true, it's true. Flo- yeah. Florida State won the first quarter against Notre Dame by three points. Mm. And then they got outscored 28 tonight. Uh, hey, Mike, speaking of the U, they were ranked, as you know. They got the ranking by beating a Louisville team that just got slaughtered by a Georgia Tech team that got handled by a UCF team. I'll hang up and listen. (laughs) Don't forget their big win against FAMU. My apologies. Uh, The Cows got blown out at home against East Carolina. How bad is the Citadel? (laughs) (laughs) The Cows actually beat them. Uh, You saw their punter. (laughs) I mean, so... (laughs) Uh, next up for me, 
damn you, Tulsa. That's it. That's it. Just damn you, Tulsa. That's all I got. All right. Ole Miss put up 48 points on Alabama with Jeff Levy and the UCF fast offense. Imagine what KZ would have done to those guys in 2017. I think Alabama has a fake Natty now. Another one. I mean, we don't we don't rehearse these, but here here's my. I was watching the Ole Miss game this weekend, Mike. And man, was it fun to see an offense like that flying all over the place, making plays, going fast. I wish we had a coordinator. Le- oh, wait, never mind. Sixty three, forty eight, forty four, twenty one, forty one, thirty eight, forty five, forty one. The SEC is the new Big Twelve. <laughs> wait a minute. The ALS started already, Mike? Or the ACLS, ALCS, whatever, that started already? That We're still doing baseball? Uh, yeah, I should have been watching the Yankees say, yeah, it started. The U is back to reality. Hmm. Are any UCF fans going dressed as a penalty flag for Halloween, or is it just me? I'm the only one dressed <laughs> in, a, in a, just all yellow. <laughs> no, just me? Okay. Yeah, that's a good costume right there. All right. If it wasn't for the three block field goals, the score for the Miami game, they would have lost 51 to 10. There's 17 points. One of them was on a block field goal that they returned for a touchdown. If I tried to do anything in my life with even half the drive of Jimmy Butler, I'd be much further along. But the problem is, you know, I get tired and stuff. LSU has lost two games already. Why isn't anybody taking their national championship away? Does that only apply to us? I got a serious question. When people ask him about injuries, why doesn't Heupel just say, I'm not telling you? Why does he just say, I'm not going to tell you? Why does he have to be like, I'm, well, I'll get you later in the week. I mean, these guys should be. Just say, I don't want to tell you. Why do we have to play these games? Just say, I don't want to tell you. I don't understand. Next question. <laughs> That's what you just yeah, just, I don't want to tell you. Uh... The Tulsa loss hurts even more now. I mean, we would be in the top five, top six coming into this week. Apparently, Wichita State head basketball coach Greg Marshall might be a crazy person. I mean, who saw this one coming? I don't know. <laughs> Seems such a nice guy to me. I don't know. Surprising. Yeah, they're so calm on the side. Yeah, I don't even know where. This came out of nowhere. Florida. Is still ranked ahead of Texas A&M. <laughs> That's stupid. That's what so the dumb. hell? That's so dumb. Speaking of hell. Uh, in an update to a previous story, reigning Cow of the Week winner Jonas Pope has dropped UCF, who did not play this week, from number 13 to not being ranked at all. Jonas, the McMurphy is strong in you, my friend. How can he do that? I don't even know. And last one for me, by the way. The GFS hurricane model can go right to hell. Just go right to hell. Seriously, don't look at that thing on or around October 25th if you don't want to see bad news. That thing can uh, can go right to hell. Mike, those are the UCF observations. You're not oh, those getting... weather guys don't know what the hell they're doing. Because another day wasted yesterday. I was supposed to go to the beach. And the weather said it was going to rain all day. It didn't rain at all until like 6.30 at night. Yeah, this isn't the weather. This is like the forecast model. This is like science. I'm like, you can't argue with... Well, I guess you can argue with... A lot of people argue with science these days, actually. Uh, so maybe you should <laughs> argue with science. Uh, let's uh, let's do some questions here, Mike. We got a bunch of questions in this week uh, on Twitter. So let's just throw those in this segment here uh, and, and get to a few of these here. Um, 
so we put this out on Twitter. Give us your questions. What's on your mind? Uh, Black and Gold Ed asked, what's your confidence level going into the Memphis game, Mike? Uh, so if I had to give you a, I guess, a, a, a one to five, five being confident, will most confident will win, one being least confident, give me your number. Oh, I'm right in the middle, man. Normally, I'm fully confident. I think we're going to win every game. I don't know. I don't know which UCF team is going to show up this week. Is it going to be the UCF fast team that we've grown to love over the last couple of years where we just go out and put up 50 points on everybody? Or is it the sloppy UCF team that's coming out with penalties and putting themselves behind the eight ball? And uh, I don't know what to expect. I really have no clue what to expect coming into this game. My confidence level is... Right down the middle, and that's because it's Monday. Uh, on Saturday afternoon, 2.30, when we're doing our pregame show, I, I don't know if I'm going to be more confident or less confident. I guess it's going to be depend on uh, what, how many drinks I've already had at that time. <laughs> Here's the problem. If I told you both of these things and, and asked you if they, you thought they'd be true, what would you tell me? So if I told you UCF started the game off with three straight false start penalties, and then uh, 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 three and out and and had a punt blocked that was returned for a touchdown. Would you believe me? Would you think that's possible? Oh, yeah. If I, told I you, definitely see that. If I told you UCF started off with an 80-yard bomb touchdown throw to Jalen Robinson, would you think that's possible? Of course. That's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem <laughs> is either one of those two things, in my opinion, are equally as plausible. If you called me up and was like, Adam, I know you're not watching the game, but you're not going to believe this. We just went three and out and then punted and they blocked it and returned it for a touchdown. Oh, and by the way, three guys ran into each other. They're all hurt. I'd believe you. I'd say, you know what? That sounds about right. Or if you called me and be like, oh, we're back, you know, Jalen Robinson just bombed and blah, blah, blah. I'd believe that too. And I think that's the part where it's a 3.5 because you don't know <laughs> where we are right now because either one of those two things can be true. And uh, I think that's the that's the life of a UCF fan right now in this season is you just don't know what you're going to get. So that's uh, that's where our confidence level is at, Ed. I'm not sure if that helps you at all, but uh, maybe it at least uh, made, you, made you laugh for a second, Mike. Our good buddy JP Gilbert asked, uh, over under for false starts this week. He put the number at seven. You actually asked him if that was for the game or the first quarter. He didn't respond to that one. So, Mike, I guess I'll give you game-specific, over under false starts at seven. Well, at this point, I have to say over. I mean, they've shown no reason why I would pick the under in that. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I hope we don't have any false starts, but you got to expect there's going to be at least a few. And the problem is when you get that first one, let, let that just be it. Okay. You have one and then forget it. If we get a drive where we have more than one in the same drive and they start, it's a snowball effect. And that's what happens. They're contagious. One guy gets it. And, and then instead of everybody else picking them up and saying, all right, we're not going to let that happen. Somebody else gets it. And then another one. And then it just never ends. And that's been the problem for the last few weeks. So I'd love to say under, but if I if you made me put money on it, oh, I'm betting the over. I'm going to go under on a technicality. Here's my technicality. We had a few snap infractions, which aren't technically false starts. So, oh so I'm going to go under on that. Tech. Plus, we had a couple of receivers who uh, just weren't set, so it was kind of like not being set or not all, not all 12 guys or all 11 guys not fully set. So I'm going to go with the the uh, the nuance here. I'm going to take a technicality. I'm going to either go. I'm pr- actually I'm going to push. I'm going to go seven <laughs> right on the dot. <laughs> JP, I can't. I'm I'm all over the place. JP, I'm going to go seven. I'm going to I'm going to push on that. Um, our good friend uh, UCF MSU Clemson, by the way, still working on those past shows for you. She wants to know. <laughs> KZ said he was close to being ready. Is there a chance he plays against Memphis? Oh. 
No. Uh, we see now that he's actually playing in practice, which is a great sign. But we discussed it before. I think if we're going to see him come back, it's going to be a home game. Hey, maybe next week against Tulane. Um, no. I, and also, if it's, he's going to come in, it's going to be in a game where it's garbage time. We're up big at the end. And let's get him out there for a few snaps. I don't think that's going to be the case at all this game. This is going to be a nail-biter start to finish. So I do not expect to see him play this week. Here, uh, you know what I was I was thinking about this question, and, and actually something that happened this weekend popped in my mind, Mike. I don't know if you've been following this closely, but Alex Smith, quarterback for the Washington football team, he suffered a horrific leg injury, you know, had like 17, 18, 19 surgeries, uh, rods, you know, cones, all this other stuff, right? Just a horrific injury, horrific recovery. And uh, he actually got back out in the field for the first time since that injury, two-plus years. And uh, he, he replaced uh, Kyle Allen, who, who got dinged up. And as it was, it's a great story. And, you know, his wife and his family were there. And, and if you watched it, you probably got goosebumps. But then you quickly realized Alan, Alex Smith hadn't touched a football in, in that sort of live game action in over two years. And within, like, the first three plays, he, I think he'd been sacked twice. Uh, I think he finished the game with like 36 yards passing. And I'm not saying that McKenzie's not talented. I'm not saying he can't play well. But you forget the, you know, just the muscle memory of these guys not being out there for so long. Plus, God knows whatever you're dealing with from a PTSD standpoint, anytime. So, like, if I'm Alex Smith and Aaron Donald's running at me full speed, I, I couldn't climb a, a hole in the ground fast enough. Like, in just everything you've been through. Uh, and so, you know, I, I guess you really want to make sure McKenzie's ready. Um, and I want to make sure he can get into a situation where he can, you know, he can play and be himself and be successful. And uh, it, it really depends on where we are. If we're blowing Memphis out and we want to take a couple of snaps at the end, I'm okay with that. But, I mean, listen, we, we forget. We've already asked this kid to basically work miracles on his own body every single solitary day. I think we just need to be patient that he'll get on the field when he's ready, but I think we want to make sure he can be ready. So I guess that's the Alex Smith thing really kind of crystallized that for me this weekend. <laughs> yeah. I saw him come into the game. I was watching the red zone channel and then what, like a second play, Aaron Donald jumps on his back. And, <laughs> yes. Oh my God, poor guy. You just hope his leg doesn't snap again. Uh, I, I, I would love to see McKenzie come back. And I am going to cringe every single time somebody comes close to hitting him and just hope he can get up. And it's going to be weird. But it's going to be fun when he actually does come back. Hopefully, like you said, we can ease him back in into a game where maybe the first time we see him, he, he just hands it off a couple times or whatever. But uh, he looks like he's coming back then. He, he's practicing. He's moving around. So I've been saying it since before the season started. We're going to see him in the game at some point this year. Uh, UCF MSU Clemson also says, should Dak have gotten a contract before the season? Uh, obviously, clearly now he should have, but, uh, um, you know, hopefully uh, hopefully he'll be okay. That was a gruesome. Did you see, I know you, you were probably watching that game too, Mike. Did you see that injury? That was just yeah. gruesome. Oh, yeah. That was ugly, man. You, you hate to see that happen to anybody, even if it's on a team that you hate. Because uh, I've seen it happen to my guys, obviously. You've seen it happen with McKenzie. It, it, it's just, it was gross. It was gross, and feel bad for him and you really feel bad for him the guy could have been how much money could he have made over a hundred million dollars if he had signed that and now who knows what's going to happen to him yeah. you don't think the cowboys are going to trust giving him that much money he was already on he was a uh what's it called franchise the, yeah he's a franchise player already this year so yeah who knows how much money he's going to make now going forward yeah, plus if anybody knows this story, he lost his mom when he was in college to cancer. His his younger brother committed suicide in the off season. He he talked openly about depression this off season with COVID and, and not having people to talk to. And then, 
you know, he's, he's betting on himself and, you know, he's, he's playing pretty good. And then all of a sudden you see that you just, you hate that, hate that for the kid. I mean, so the contract is one thing, but hopefully he can come back and at least, uh, you know, at least resume his football career and either in big Dallas or, or elsewhere too. Um, next up, my golden Knight underscore two wants to know, this is a great question, by the way, if this game against Memphis, I assume he means comes down to the last possession. What side do you want on the field? What do you have more confidence in to win the game, the offense or the defense? I did see this question. This is, I've been thinking about this one since I seen it. It's a great question. Uh, you know, everybody always wants to have the ball at the end and have the chance to score to win the game. But even our best teams, the games come down to defense at the end, making huge stops. 2013, uh, I talked about the Memphis game where Plummer makes the interception in the end zone. Uh, the big fourth down stop against Houston in the bounce house. Uh, even in the Peach Bowl in 17, what was it? the defense was on the field again. Aaron, Antoine Collier making the interception. Uh, how many games have we won in the last second with, with an offensive touchdown? I, what was the last time we did that? So, And plus, the defense is healthier right now. If you ask me which unit I trust more at this moment, I trust our defense to come up with a stop than the offense to go run a clean drive to go down and win the game. Look what happened um, – this past week against Tulsa, we had the ball and we couldn't go down there and put up the touchdown when we needed it. So if you're making me pick, I'm going to, I'm going to say defense, I'll put the defense out there and I trust those guys to make a stop. Yeah. This wasn't even really close for me. It was defense for me all day. Um, and now, now again, I hate to, I'm always this guy who wants to get the clarifiers and, but like how many timeouts do we have? Um, you know, <laughs> how much are we done? Do we need a touchdown? Do we need a field goal? I mean, all that stuff matters on offense. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I gotta say Mike, the defense has been more consistent. Plus we've been in this spot against Memphis before, right? We remember the game at Memphis, uh, the 30, 30, the 31, 30 game, uh, Rashad Kazi came up with a huge shoestring tackle to get the guy in bounds and essentially kind of thwarted Memphis there as they were trying to go in for, uh, for, I guess the, the game winning field goal or game winning score. Um, you know, we've played Memphis before. I think we know Brady white as a, as a quarterback. I don't know that he scares me as a quarterback. He's really good. He's solid. But I don't know that he's, you know, this you know, magical type Russell Wilson type of quarterback, although I guess that's who else it really is. So it's probably not a fair comparison. But, uh, yeah, I would go defense. Put the defense on the field. And, uh, again, I, I, I'd love to know that they're healthy. Does that mean I get Richie Grant out there? Does that mean I get Antoine Collier out there? Uh, if I'm getting, like, the, the second and third stringers, then maybe I flipped out the offense. But if you're telling me a full um, complement of our defense, everybody healthy, um, I'd go defense. Yeah, even go back to the 2017 championship game against Memphis. Trey Neal with the interception to seal the game. Uh, if you're talking about a last-minute drive to win a game, are we talking about the Hail Mary against East Carolina? Or what? even the game against the Cows, that was a special teams kick return to win the game. When's the last game-winning touchdown drive we've had in the final minute? Maybe I'm just drawing a blank and I'm missing an obvious one here. Well, it's the Memphis but, uh, championship game is tough because that was overtime. We kept going back and forth. So we had to score to put the pressure on them. Right. So in theory, that was a game winning drive. We just ended it with an interception. So that one's kind of on the line, but I, t- I, I see your point. It's not the traditional, you know, captain comeback, you know, John Elway style game winning drive that we put together. So, um, so that's a fair well, point. Well, we talked to Matt, right. He never hit a game winning field goal. So it's not like we had a drive where we had to go down and kick a field goal in the last second. And another part of that is a lot of our wins, especially under Hypo, have all been blowout wins, so they haven't been close. Um, even under Frost in the 17-year, that 
the close games were there at the end, and we just described them. The, the championship game against Memphis, the special teams against the Cows, and then the interception to steal the peach. Uh, you have to go back to the O'Leary days, I guess, for one of those last-minute offensive the, – the Louisville game with Blake Bortles and Jeff Godfrey is another one. Yeah. But uh, uh, so I guess maybe because we've seen the defense do it more, I, I trust the defense. I don't know. Uh, this is Brian W. Peterson. He's got like a two-parter here, so I'll kind of read them. They're both sort of the same question. I'll, I'll read them both. Uh, Brian's not on the fire hype hand, uh, bandwagon, but uh, we've obviously lost a handful of games. But our recruiting class, he says, has been steadily declining. They're currently seventh in the AAC rankings and mid-70s in the FBS. And he says, yes, we have been using Transfer Portal to some success, but should we be seeing bigger jumps and returns from our recent success over the last few years? It seems from our rankings that we are going backwards and not forwards. When do we get concerned? Uh, when we start losing on a consistent basis. <laughs> uh, the, re- the rankings and the recruiting, I never got into that. I go more with the results on the field. Um, you know, if we're consistently losing two, three games in the American Conference, then yes, I'd be very concerned because we should not be. We should be in the top of this conference. We should be winning the conference, I'd say, Every other year, we should be in the conference championship game every three out of four years, uh, something like that. We should not be finishing third or fourth in the conference ever. It'd be curious to know Heupel's recruiting strategy. There, there's a lot of chatter on the message boards. People are are concerned that uh, the majority of the recruits we have now are not coming out of the state of Florida, that we seem to be kind of getting recruits outside of Florida, which would seem counterintuitive because Florida is, if not the number one recruiting hotbed, one of the top two or three recruiting hotbeds. So to be going out of state to, to get a bunch of players seems a little bit counterintuitive, um, you know, but you wonder what, what kind of, you know, what Heupel is dealing with here, right? Is, is he in a position that he's trying to find some of these diamond and the rough guys who he thinks can come in and fit in their system and any, I mean, just there's a litany of guys. Blake Bortles wasn't a huge recruit. Mackenzie Milton wasn't a huge recruit. You know, Shaquem Griffin came, frankly, just because I, I think he wanted to come with his brother, who was a, a, a bigger recruit at that point. So we've, we've got a history of finding some of these diamond and the rough guys. You know, AK was a speedster, wasn't a, wasn't a, a huge recruit. Um, I think our last four or five star was Cordarian Richardson, if I have it right. Um, although Traymond Morris Brash may have been a three star, four star until he committed to us and he became a three star. So, so who knows? Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, the rankings are the rankings. And I think it was black and gold band red. I should give uh, Jeff Elo and, and Brian some credit on this one. I think they did like a redo of like all the recruiting rankings and where UCF was and where they would have been. Um, it's probably still somewhere on their site. It's actually a really good piece. Um, so the only concern you'd have is just hopefully Hypel isn't burning bridges and he's continuing to keep the pipeline open between the local schools there in Orlando. You know, it's the old Jimmy Johnson, Howard, Howard Schnellenberger philosophy of, you know, build, build a fence around your area and don't let kids out of it. You know, hopefully we're, we're getting that mentality up and yeah, the transfer portal is, uh, is certainly becoming something that we're using more and more, Mike, but I guess you can be lightly concerned, but again, the results haven't necessarily, um, you know, shown that true yet. So I don't know that I'm, I'm uber concerned, but I could see where you'd start looking at this and going, okay, wait a minute, what's going on here? Yeah, and the top players are choosing, the top players in Orlando in this area are choosing the cows over us or, uh, I mean, they're always going to, the, the very best players are still going to go to Alabama and still going to go to Clemson and those schools, the five-star guys. But we're losing the guy to recruiting battles to like West Virginia 
and schools like that, then I'm, that's when I'm concerned. Well, I, I think, yeah, well, that, yeah, they can have that one kid. Uh, I think the, the thing, though, that you and I have talked about this before is, yeah, we think about the transfers coming back to UCF, right? Devad Wilson, uh, Jaden Francois, Deontay Marks, all of them, obviously, Florida kids. Um, and I think you and I have talked about this before. You know, it'd be great if UCF becomes the team that's in the position to get that guy right out of uh, high school. Right. And, and not have to go to the transfer portal and have that kid say, hey, I'm not going to try to go to Ole Miss or Florida or Nebraska or Georgia and and get that kid right. Out. I think that's kind of where maybe people are at is why aren't we getting that kid right out of high school versus having to wait for the portal? Uh, that's a fair argument. I mean, there's so many things that go into it, though. Kids want to leave home. Kids want to try something new. Uh, it's just these are 17, 16, 18 year old kids who, you know, you look at Mike Wright, who was all Mr. Pro UCF and all of a sudden he wasn't pro UCF and. You know, then he was pro Vanderbilt, right? I mean, they, these are just kids. This is what they do. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's hard to say when when you should or shouldn't be concerned, but I, I definitely can understand that sentiment. And, uh, you know, certainly some of the stuff with recruiting obviously has to kind of bear itself out. Um, we need better bagmen. Let's get some bagmen out there. Maybe Brando Nitro wants to be a bagman. Brando said, uh, the fire hypo crazies, um, if they had their way, who would you get to replace hypo? He says uh, he likes Lebby, um, but he thinks we should go with somebody with more experience, maybe former coaches. He mentions Mario Verdusco, who is the QB coach at Nebraska now, was obviously our QB coach. I think he's like 70 years old. Maybe he's not the best candidate. But uh, so, Mike, let's indulge Brando Nitro. Uh, if the fire hypo people get their wish, who, where are we going coach-wise? Uh, well, we've kind of talked about this on the show before. To me, the answer is already in the building. That's Randy Shin. If you want somebody with experience and you want somebody that can recruit Florida and you want to keep continuity in the program, he checks off all those boxes. And that's if he wants to be a head coach again. If not, you've seen Danny White the way he does it. The last two hires came out of nowhere. Something exciting offensive. Remember, Danny White needs to sell tickets too. Uh, and he needs somebody with an ex- exciting offense, something that people want to come out and watch. So that's probably where he would go again. Now, if he wanted to hire Shannon to be the head coach and then find somebody like that to be an offensive coordinator, that's another route to do another way to do it. But uh, I, I don't think you can get a established big name coach to come in. I and mean, who's back? You're not going to get like an Urban Meyer to come in town. And I know people probably wouldn't even want it. I mean, with some of the things he's pulled in the past, but uh, I, I don't know. I think it would probably be somebody we never heard of. Yeah, that's Danny's mo, right? We'd go uh, young coordinator type. Um, you know, some of these guys maybe. I think Graham Harrell is a name you hear a lot. He was a former Texas Tech uh, quarterback. I think he's at USC now as the offensive coordinator. Um, so you'd probably go find one of those guys. Uh, but that's the that's the typical Danny White smokescreen, right? Give you a couple big name guys that you think you're going after, a la Greg Schiano, a la Kevin Sumlin, then throw in a couple of guys that make you scratch your head, a la Jason Candle, a la Neil Brown, and then land up with some offensive coordinator school that's putting up 50 points a game. That's probably where Danny's at. So just I would just look up schools that are scoring 50 plus right now, and uh, who and and then go figure out who their offensive coordinators are. And those are probably your guys. But I do think it's interesting to think through: Could he just elevate Randy to the head coach um, and just say, "Randy, bring in bring in an offensive guy. You've got the defense on lockdown. Let's just bring in a guy to run the offense, and you know maybe that becomes the thing. Um, you know that might be an interesting play as well. Yeah, it seems to make sense. And another thing is when. 
you have a certain type of coach. Usually when they leave, and we, it didn't happen this time. We actually ended up going with the same type of coach. But usually you go from one end of the spectrum to the other. So you go from O'Leary, who's a disciplinarian, to Frost, who's more of a player's coach. So if Hypo leaves or is fired because of uh, lack of discipline on the team, then maybe we're, we're, we find somebody that can put the hammer down on these guys. Maybe we hire O'Leary back <laughs> and get that. Get <laughs> That's, never gonna <laughs> That's never going to happen. That's never going to happen. Not uh, a chance. That's gonna but happen. yeah, you know what I'm saying though. Yeah, you go from one end to the other, and that's the way it is. And maybe right now we're all about offense, and then eventually we'll go back to a defensive-minded coach. But like I said, Danny White needs to sell the tickets, and, and I think that's why his two hires have been the way they have been. Because he needs somebody to, to energize the fan base. Yeah, I'd love to see us get into. I mean, I know there's some young guys out there now, and you know. Uh, I'd love I'd love us to get into the UCF alumni coaching tree. You know what I mean? I know Sean Becton's name comes up a lot. You know, Sean Jefferson we had on the show. He's a wide receivers coach in the NFL right now. Uh, obviously, you have Travis Fisher who went to UCF. He's the DB you know coach for Nebraska. Um, yeah, you mentioned to see if you get any of those guys one of these days. I think you got Darren Hinshaw as the offensive coordinator in, at Kentucky in the SEC. He'd be a name you throw in there. Uh, um, there's a bunch of UCF former guys that are coaching now. So probably a bit of a leap, but like Ryan Schneider at, at Coco High right now, could he be a QB coach, offensive coordinator type guy? I mean, it'd be great to to get some UCF guys back on the staff. But but that's a uh, that's a, another story for another day. Obviously, Hypel's still with us and uh, hopefully preparing us to go one and this week. Uh, he also went to the podium this week where he always goes one and uh, and because of that, it gives Mike and I something to talk about each week. Uh, and that's the Josh Hypel translator. And so we're going to do that for you next. He had a couple of comments. No one knows what they mean. We're going to tell you. Stick around. One hundred and second edition of the Suns UCF returns right after this. Time. All right, last week we talked about screen skins and uh, and we're going to do that here as well because you're going to want to put this thing on your phone. Look, we lost last week. Everybody gets it, but it's time for a new streak. So ask yourself this question. Has UCF ever lost a game uh, when you had a phone screen on, right? You might not know because you don't have one yet. So go get a phone screen now. Do your part to help us get back on the winning ways. You put a phone screen on there, UCF wins. Guess what? You can get all the credit for it. You get the credit for the win, and you get a pretty sweet-looking phone screen. Again, I've been telling you about this thing for months now. It's a clear plastic cover. goes on the front of your phone. When your phone is lit up, it looks beautiful. You see your phone. Your, your screen's protected. When it goes dark, UCF logo magically appears on there, Mike. I'm not sure what else you could ask for in a phone. Uh, it has UCF stuff on there. It keeps your phone safe, and you personally could be responsible for the beginning of another UCF winning streak. You guys are, uh, you guys pissed me off, man. Because oh, wow. oh, <laughs> uh, we've been telling you guys about screen skins now for a couple months, and you haven't bought one yet. What the heck are you doing? I told you I was going to start getting mad at you guys, and this is it. You're the reason we lost. We point a lot of fingers around here. We, we point about to the penalties and the turnovers. And that none of that is the reason why we lost in Tulsa. The reason we lost in Tulsa is because you, the listener, does not have a screen skin on their phone. Get one now. You have a couple days now before kickoff. You don't get a screen skin again. I, I hate to say it. You're probably gonna lose to Memphis. Oh, don't do so, that. <laughs> I mean, that's the only explanation I can come up with. 
Wow. Get a screen skin on your phone now, and the rest of the season will be fine. We will win the rest of our games. But wow. it's only going to happen if you get one. Yeah, this was not in the copy, but I can tell you what is in the copy. If you Google screen skins, that's S-K-I-N-Z, uh, you will get to their website. You will find all the screen skins they have. You should pick the UCF one of them, but they have other schools, sororities, fraternities. So maybe you have a friend, a family member, a cousin you don't like anymore. Or Christmas is coming up. You want to try to get them a gift. And uh, here's the thing. We're going to go easy on your wallet because if you hit the promo code sons of UCF at checkout, you'll get 10% off. So that cousin you don't even like, that like went to FAU or something, uh, you know, you can just get him a, a screen skin and he'll never know that you got 10% off that thing. And then you've got your beautiful UCF screen skin that you can just kind of leave on at all times and go, look at this thing. It's great, isn't it? Oh, if we won a national championship, gee, I can't relate. But you're not going to do all that stuff if you don't go to screen skin. Screenskins.com, uh, or actually Google screen skins, you'll get there and uh, promo cuts on UCF, 10% off, and you can thank us later. Now, what the heck was Hypo really saying? Let's find out. All right, never one to be Mr. Talkative. Uh, Joshua Kenneth Heipel, I now go middle name on him, uh, uh, met the media today in his typical Monday press conference, and uh, they had a lot of questions, and he provided a lot of answers. And some of those answers, Mike, were kind of like non-answers, I guess, right? That's kind of what hype does. And so luckily we went out and we spared no expense, and uh, we've been able to, to keep the, uh, the exclusive Sons of UCF translator device it allows us to read hypo quotes, and then it'll tell you exactly what it is he's trying to say. It, uh, it's a beautiful machine, Mike. Are you ready to uh, to hit up the uh, the Josh Hypo translator? Let's do it. All right, here is my first one for you. Um, coming off of a bye week, can you update where you are today and how the guys did after a couple days off? He said, quote, guys had a couple days to kind of catch their breath, still had some treatment and those types of things in the facility. Guys were great this morning. Typical game week Monday for us. We'll come back later tonight, and we'll get in our normal install and ready to go. Guys are excited, Mike. Um, a lot of a lot of good stuff there, but what did Hypo really mean? We've had time now to forget about that disgusting display of football we put out there the last time we were on the field. And everybody's coming back pissed and ready to go for this week. Memphis is in for it, and I'm pumped up. I got a special jacket ready to go for this game. It started a new winning streak. Wow. Special, special shacket. I mean, look, he's doing the coach speak thing, right? Normal week. We're getting back to basics. We're doing all that stuff. Guys got some rest in, which is hopefully true. Um, you know, he didn't provide any bulletin board material. Didn't do anything fiery. Didn't, didn't give him one of those like Newt Rockney type speeches. So kind of your typical hypo, but you, you, you hope that, you know, there was uh, hopefully some sense of urgency as uh, as the, as the week kicked off. Although you didn't, you know, maybe didn't get it from uh, from that answer there. But uh, we'll see what happens next, Mike. What uh, what questions do you want to try through the translator? How confident are you that the pre-snap issues will not be an issue this week against Memphis? And his answer was, "We've done some things to alleviate that. We've worked on it. We did that the week before too. Things didn't work out the right way." I feel like we're putting our kids in the right positions. Feel like they're focused and ready to correct those problems. Those are things we can control. We've got to be on the right side of it this Saturday. We can't play behind the chains. 
I'm not the least bit confident that we can uh, we fix these pre-snap things because I haven't had a game to play yet. I've been yelling at these guys for weeks now, and every time I yell and it you know, doesn't seem to get better, I, I tried to change snap counts and make it easier. That didn't seem to get any better. You know, we, we're trying to drill the stuff at practice. Yeah, that hasn't really gotten any better. So I'm not really confident at all until we get out there. I have no idea what's going to be. I'm all over LRB's ass trying to get a way for him to, to get these guys to, to just to stand down. You know, maybe we got to go a tick slower on our tempo. You know, maybe Gabriel needs to, to do something different with his, with his snap counts. I have no idea what the problem is because I've been trying this thing for weeks and weeks and weeks. If you think, if I knew what the problem was, don't you think I'd have fixed it by now? Don't you think I'd have, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have gone from 19 to 18 penalties. I would have fixed this thing by now. I'm not the least bit confident, but I'm hoping we just go out and blow these guys' uh, doors off and you guys won't notice if we have, you know, another eight or nine or 10 of these things next week. So my goal is put up 50 and you guys won't even talk to me about it. So that's how, that's how confident I am. <laughs> He said we worked on it, and we did that the week before, too. Well, I guess it didn't work, whatever he tried last week. Um, he doesn't seem confident that it's going to get fixed. And you're right. He, he just needs to go out and score as many points as possible so that it's not a factor. But even if we did blow these guys out and won this game 45-13, and we still committed 12-13 penalties, there might we're still going to bring it up and talk about it because it's so – disgusting to watch it's ugly football and we're tired of watching all right here's a bit of a long one but uh quote you uh question is you've got players who aren't used to losing they've had this bad taste a little bit because of the longer bye week what have you seen of their attitude hypo answered quote coaches want to get the bad taste out of their mouth too I like that our kids aren't accustomed to losing we have high expectations there's high expectations on the outside too but none higher than those inside our building that's why our players and our staff work as hard as they do, disappointing the outcome. At the same time as a competitor, you've got to move on to the next one. You're only as good as your next one. Doesn't matter if you win or lose the previous game. Our kids have turned the page, learned from the mistakes they've made, and don't make the same mistakes twice. Like, what's that say? Our players are not used to losing. Damn right they're not used to losing. We've only lost four or five games. Well, what is it, four games in the last two years? Five games since I've been here. Uh, we're not going to get used to losing. This is a one-time deal this year. Last year we lost three. This year, that's, this is it. We're cleaning it up starting now. And we're only as good as the next game. I'm going to show you guys how good we actually are. All right, you guys are questioning me. You're putting me in the hot seat. I've had enough of this crap. Oh, I'm coming out angry this <laughs> week and taking care of business. So do you think Hypo really thinks he's got it cleaned up? <laughs> no. but how could he know how could he know that until he actually goes out and the team actually goes out and shows him that they do it i don't think any of us believe it even if they did it in practice even if they went out and had a great practice where they didn't commit one false start in practice i tell you as soon as it happens one time in the game it's freaking contagious and then that's when you start worrying about it so what, what do we what do we do? Let's say we start the game off with Memphis and uh, third play of the game, fall start, offense number seventy five, five yard. Like, what what do you think I should do? Should we start pulling kids right off the field? Like, I guess is there anything that you would see him do where you would go, okay, you know what? Now he's taking this stuff really seriously, or now he means business. And the only thing he could do is take guys off the field, and it's one thing to take somebody off the field in between series and just send out a different guy on the offensive line. If Matt Lee starts the game with a false start and then he snaps the ball over Dylan Gabriel's head on second down, get somebody else 
behind uh, at center for third though and that's it you're done for the day that, that would send a message i guess and that's basically the only thing he hasn't done to this point so uh i don't know what he can do other than that uh, obviously whatever they're doing in practice is not making a difference at least it hasn't the last couple of weeks what if i told you that we could clean up the uh false start penalties but we would have to um significantly and by significantly i mean five to seven seconds slower on our offensive tempo, right? So we could, we could clean up penalties. Like we could go from having, you know, 10 false start penalties to, to three, but we'd have to be much slower on offense. Would you make that trade? Yeah, sure. Five to seconds, seven seconds slower is basically where we were at in the frost era. And we were still moving pretty fast. Yeah. We're moving even faster now than we ever have. I think we're even like three seconds faster than we were last year. So, yeah, I'd take that. If it means not shooting yourself in the foot five yards every couple plays, definitely I'd take it. So we score in in four minutes instead of two, but at least we score. Because part of me wonders if that's not, you know, a a slice of the answer, right? We did blame pie last week, right? If if part of the the blame pie on why we have fall starts is the tempo. I wonder if Hypo is willing to go, okay, let's – Let's take this thing down another notch. Let's let's you know if somebody asked him that question kind of loosely, he didn't answer it obviously in the press conference. But I wonder if that's an option for him is to say we should you know think about slowing it down. I don't know. But um, all right, but last the whole thing is, are we going to be as successful if we slow down? Because uh, well, the, the reason problem, we right? go so fast is we keep we get the offense the defenses off guard and they're not set yet and they don't know what the hell is going to happen and boom we hit them real quick so. Yeah. Well, because you you saw what we what happened when we went a little slower against Tulsa in the second half. Right. I mean, we were right. we were milking the clock. We didn't know what we were doing like we were trying to read defenses 19 different times. Uh, and you saw that the operation, as they call it, just got out of sync and out of whack. So it, it's it's a trade off. It's a risk reward. Um, and I wonder, you know, the the speed of the offense has been hypos. That's his claim to fame. That's his hallmark. That's his that's his thing. So you got to wonder, is he you know, will be stubborn enough to, to ever change that? But I guess well, we slowing down didn't stop the penalties. That was for sure. <laughs> that, is, that is true. <laughs> And maybe that makes it worse, right? Maybe they're so used to that tempo. That's what they need. Who who the heck knows? All right, last one. What do you got? Uh, UCF has won 13 games in a row against Memphis. The past few years, Memphis has lost some heartbreaking games to UCF. A lot of their players have talked about that in recent days, how they're fired up to beat UCF. Is that something you bring up? Is that is some, I'm sorry, that this is a team that's really going to be gunning for UCF. And his answer is, I think you realize that you're going to get everybody's best shot every Saturday. Uh, That's how you need to prepare as a competitor. This morning, I did. I talked about the four previous matchups, how the games unfolded. You've got to be willing to play from ahead or play from behind. Just each play, just play each play independently. If it's going really good in a competitive environment like this, you keep your foot on the pedal. If it's not going good, settle down. All 11 operate collectively together as one unit. Settle down and do your job. These games have been wide open. Got to be willing to go in there and compete with everything you've got and play for 60 minutes. I expect it will be a 60-minute ball game. Look, I don't want to give these guys any material, but we've owned them, right? I mean, it's it's we've we've owned these guys. They've, they've been paying us rent for a long time, uh, and uh, you know maybe a new coach over there. But I mean, it's basically the same thing, right? They're doing the same you know same stuff, same coordinator or whatnot. So. I don't see any reason why we won't own these guys again. The only problem is I got to get my guys to just, you know, play 
without penalties, without mistakes. And I don't, I don't know how to do that right now. So I'm just hoping that, you know, Memphis will see the black and gold helmets. Look, here's what's going to happen. They're going to come out of the gate. They're going to probably break like an 80-yard run, followed by like an 84-yard run. We're going to throw a pick someplace in there. You know, I like, I like us down about, you know, you know, 21 to 10 at halftime or whatever, something like that. And then the second half, we'll turn it on. Memphis gets scared. They see UCF helmets. And, uh, and, and, you know, we'll, 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 that's what I'm hoping on. That's what I'm planning on is we'll just turn it on the second half. Everything will be fine. You guys will come in here and yell at me next week and it'll be all good. But, uh, but we own these guys. Uh, so uh, short of us committing, you know, another 20 penalties, I, I feel good about it, but I also feel good. We might commit 20 penalties. So George O'Leary never lost to these guys. Scott Frost never lose to these guys. And I'll be damned if I'm going to lose to them. Jim <laughs> McDowell is the only coach that lost to them. And that was all the way back 30 years ago. It's not happening with me either. Right? I've already beat these guys a couple of times. I'm keeping the streak going. And I'm not going to say anything about it right now, but that's how I feel. And I let the team know that it's not happening with us. All right. And you guys can lose to Memphis when I'm out of here. But right now, it's not happening. <laughs> Maybe soon. The rare, <laughs> the rare double translator, right? We got the translator and then the translator of the translator. You don't get that all the time. That's a special feature here on the translator <laughs> machine. Uh, but do you think Hypo really has that fiery speech? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like, I have no idea. You know, obviously, you and I played some remedial high school sports, right? And, 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 you know, we never had any of these high level games or whatnot. Right? I wonder if a, that crap even works, right? The, the Al Pacino, any given Sunday speech is really going to get them all fired up and, and B does Hypo even have that gear if he needs to, I don't even know. The inches we need. <laughs> Everywhere. Yeah. Every second, every uh, break of the game. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't see Hypo as that kind of guy. O'Leary was never that guy. Remember they used to always show O'Leary before the game? He'd give the same speech before every game. I think Hypo is one of those guys. He, he does the same speech before every game. Protect the ball, get defense attack the ball, play one play at a time. Same crap. Um, Chenander actually was a big hype man guy, a big uh, pregame speech guy. Frost was okay at it. Uh, I don't really think it makes a difference once the – it's cool inside the locker room. Everybody starts getting hyped up and yeah, yeah, yeah. But then as soon as the plays start, as soon as the ball is kicked off and people are start hitting each other, all, all that stuff's out the window. So I've never really bought into it. That, uh, you won a game because of a, a big pregame speech. But um, yeah, I don't see him as that type of guy. Yeah, that's not, that is definitely not happening. But, uh, you know, I guess we'll, we'll see what we got. Uh, you know, obviously, do you, do you think, I don't know how to put this nicely, right? But, you know, it seems like the the offensive staff, the offensive guys had a really good relationship with Jeff Levy. And watching some of that Ole Miss stuff and watching the way that the, the team reacted to him, do you think Levy not being there hurts the team at all, just from a chemistry standpoint? Do you think maybe he was kind of like that, you know, that cool uncle type figure that you have, right? When I mean, you know, you've, you know, you've got the uncle you can go call, you know, call and he'll let you take his car and you know, buy your beer when you're 19, that kind of uncle. Do you think Levy had that kind of vibe and, and maybe that's something that's missing in the staff right now? It's possible. It's possible. Were you saying Tucker can't be that guy, or Golesh? Uh, Golesh seems like he's that type of guy. Like, Go- Golesh really seems like... more like c- cerebral to me. Like where he wants to talk about like, you know, the importance of why the tight end really needs to make sure that they're always, you know, because when hands are on for like, he seems like he's more cerebral. You know, it seems like he's a fun guy, perhaps. But you know, Levy just kind of came across as that like, 
you know, the down old, you know, good old boy kind of situation where again, he was kind of like the uncle you could tell anything to. Um, and you know, part of, part of me wonders if he was that guy that kind of got some guys motivated and rallied. Now, granted we had three losses last year. So what the hell do I know? But, um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the only difference from a staff perspective is, you know, you wonder if, if Levy's personality and lifting out of that room or lifting out of that, you know, out of that, uh, out of the locker room, wonder if it really means anything to anybody. Yeah. I think the legend of Levy is growing since we lost to the Tulsa and then we saw what Ole Miss did to Alabama this past week and actually Ole Miss has been putting up points so they put out well everybody puts a lot of points on the Gators but they did the first week too and really how much is that is also Lane Kiffin because we know Lane Kiffin for one thing can can put points on the board so uh, maybe Levy's getting a little too much credit and it was on display this past week when we weren't playing and he, he did well against Alabama so I, I don't know how much stock I put into that well, fair enough. Well, let's see how much stock we should put in you, Mike, because after we take this little break right about here, you're front and center, my friend, on your weekly picks. We'll review where you where you land it, and we'll preview what you've got. Don't you go anywhere. Mike's picks coming up next on the Sons of UCF. Mike versus everybody. All right, he is back. The prognostication segment of the show features UCF Mike. He uh, he knows a lot about picks, I guess. Uh, maybe he does. I don't know. He, he I don't know if he does any research. This is like a really private thing that Mike is is secretly really good at. I don't know if he spent a lot of time working at the stuff. I don't really know. Uh, and we all learn together each and every week because I don't know what he's picking before anybody else here. I don't know if he knows what he's picking before anybody else, but that's not uh, that's not important right now. What's important, Mike, is let's recap your record from last week. Um, uh, refresh our memories. How did you fare after the games were all said and done? This is a trend now. Another winning week from UCF Mike. Two and one last week. Got off to a slow start on the Thursday night game. I had Houston and Tulane. I took Tulane with the points. Houston ended up covering that. They won by about 18 points. Uh, but I bounced right back and won the next two. I had Navy getting points against Temple. Navy won that game outright. And I had East Carolina covering against the Cows. The Cows were favored in that game by four and a half points. And East Carolina blew their doors off. So I won that one easy. So... On the show, I am seven five and two, which is pretty good. Uh, and in the pool tracker, there were only two games to pick from. I went one and one that in that last week, and I'm still in first place. So, I believe I'm eighteen and eleven in that. So, those are pretty good records, if you ask me. Uh, and we did. I asked you the question, so I'm glad you. <laughs> I'm glad you had the response. So, uh, so that means that uh, how many games you got? You got two. We got three this week. Yeah, three. We got yeah, three and three more games. All right, we got three more games. So, uh, where are we heading? What do you got on your mind? Don't forget, Maestro. Get it going here. All right, game number one. Let's start with the cows this time. Cows are getting 10 points at Temple. I just mentioned how Temple lost a very tough game. It was their first game of the year versus Navy. They missed a two-point conversion with a minute to go in that game, the chance to tie it. They were actually trailing 28-17 going into the fourth quarter and fought their way back on the road at Navy. And this game coming up against the Cows will be their first home game of the year. 
the cows are worse than I think we even thought. Uh, we mentioned that they beat Citadel. I, I still don't even know how they beat the Citadel because since then they've just been a complete disaster. They got they lost forty four to twenty four against East Carolina, who has just looked horrid. We saw what we did to them. We saw what Georgia State did to them. Colton Aylers looked like a Heisman candidate against these guys. Three touchdowns. And that was the cows playing at home. This week, the cows are going on the road. They're a dead team walking. I mentioned snowball effect in, in, while talking about false starts. Well, this is what happens when bad teams snowball effect. They got destroyed against Notre Dame. They got beat up against Cincinnati. They got destroyed against East Carolina. It's just going to get worse from here on out with the cows. Temple wins. Temple wins big. 41-17. Lay the 10 points. Lay 20 points if you want. Temple is going to destroy these guys. Yeah, the cows are like a tire fire inside of a dumpster fire inside of a burning building. I mean, they just can't get any worse. Yeah, I, I, I love to see it. Because uh, <laughs> when that game comes around at the end of the year, you know, we talk about how this season's going right now. It, it could end beautifully. It, this season has the potential to end with us beating a top-ranked Cincinnati team, destroying the cows like we've been calling for for years now, and then winning the conference championship game. That'd be a hell of a three-game stretch there at the end of the season. So, and, and with the cows debacle right in the middle and, and a little sandwich action there, that'd be great. <laughs> All right. Cows go down as always. What's next? All right. Game number two. Navy is a two-point favorite at East Carolina. Uh, the midshipmen, like I just mentioned, won a thriller over Temple last week. And we've seen them already this year. Come back versus Tulane early in the season. They find ways to win these close games. They've won a three-point game at Tulane and won a two-point game at Temple. They've been very up and down, yes. Their, their losses have been ugly. They, they got blown out by BYU and they got beat up by Air Force. But those are two pretty good teams. East Carolina is not a good team. And don't let that game against the Cows last week fool you. They're not good. We saw what they are. Navy is the tougher of the two teams. Uh, you know what? The game's in East Carolina. It's a 12 noon start. Maybe the Pirates jump off to a quick start. And they put up a couple points early. But like I said, Navy pulls it out at the end. They have to win by at least two. I say they win by four. I say something 27-23. Navy comes out of Greenville with another win. Okay. All right. All right. Game number three. <laughs> oh, boy. The biggest game in the AAC this week. And it's not UCF Memphis. What? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't want to pick the UCF game. I jinxed us the last two games. I picked us to cover against East Carolina. And they, we blew that one late. And I picked us to blow out Tulsa. And we couldn't do that either. So I'm not picking the UCF game this week. But the highlight game in the conference this week is Cincinnati three-point favorite on the road at Tulsa. Bearcats are 3-0. and They're ranked number eight. You know the three teams they've beaten to get that number eight ranking? Austin P, Army, and the Cows. Let's go, P. I mean, we've talked about Cincinnati. I don't believe they're that good. I don't... Uh, they're getting a lot of hype. Uh... 
<laughs> Austin P Army in the Cows and they got up to number eight. Ah boy. Where would we be? <laughs> <laughs> Both of these teams are coming off a bye. We know Tulsa coming off the big win against us. Tulsa wins this game. They can cruise into November. Because after this game, they've got the Cows and the Pirates the next two. They'll be in the driver's seat to go to the conference championship game, Tulsa. As crazy as that sounds, they played Oklahoma State very tough, which now looks like a, a pretty good game. Oklahoma State is, is a top-ranked team. These guys held them to 16 points. We know what they did to us last week. This game is in Tulsa. I know how hard it is for us to win in Tulsa. I don't know what Cincinnati's history is there, but this is Tulsa's first home game of the year. I'm going to give them some credit here. I think the Golden Hurricane might actually be for real. Maybe our loss is not as bad as we think. And I think Tulsa pulls the upset and wins outright. Give me the three points. I think Tulsa wins by three. 34-31. Cincinnati is a fraud that is going to get exposed starting now with Tulsa. Wow. Well, that's uh, that's a lot to unpack here. Um, so Tulsa winning, does that help us or does that hurt us? All right. I think this can go either way because if Tulsa wins out, obviously, they're, they got the one spot. Then the whole other thing comes that we need help from SMU to lose a game or two. Um, Tulsa, we need Tulsa to lose two games, basically, for us to pass them. So I don't know if we're better off just having them win out and then go after the other spot or what are the two games they're going to lose? Because they, they may lose this one to Cincinnati, right? But I just told you, they got the Cows and the Pirates coming up after that. They have a head-to-head with SMU. So I guess the loser of that game, we could jump ahead of it. I don't know what we need. I, I guess it's, you want to look at Cincinnati, we want Cincinnati to be undefeated when they come to town in Orlando. That's our best shot. But even if we beat a Cincinnati team that was undefeated and SMU and Tulsa finish with one loss, we would lose a tiebreaker to Tulsa. Maybe we'd get it over SMU. I don't know how it works out. It's too much, too many games between now and then to worry about. Too many things can happen. I don't know. What are you rooting for? You rooting for Cincinnati to be undefeated? You rooting for Tulsa? I want to play Tulsa. Yeah, I'm actually rooting for Tulsa. Yeah, I'm actually rooting for Tulsa. I think, and I think it just, you know, because I, I agree. I think Cincinnati is going to be a, a, a bit of a fraud team. And even, you know, to your point, even if we beat an unranked Cincinnati, or I'm sorry, a ranked Cincinnati, undefeated Cincinnati team, now you've got SMU who's in the mix, right? That means that they'll beat Tulsa, Tulsa beat us. I think there's too many dominoes. You know, to your point, maybe it's, it's better off. Let Tulsa take the top spot. And, you know, we have to be the team that, you know, we're, we're the second team. I guess we have the road game, I suppose, in the championship round. Maybe that's better than... Um, you know, I, I think beating an undefeated Cincinnati team doesn't guarantee us anything. Right. And then we're talking about exercising all the demons. Beating Tulsa in the championship game in Tulsa. Revenge. We talk about revenge games. Ooh. I'll bring back my question. Josh Heupel's tenure at UCF ended <laughs> tomorrow. He would be what? He would be a god if he was able to go in and actually win at Tulsa. I mean, for the championship, I mean, the 2012 game with the the false whistle, the game last year, we still have never won in Tulsa. The game this year, to get revenge, to avenge our one loss. Say we we run the table from here on out. Tulsa runs the table, and we do meet in the championship game, and we beat them by five touchdowns. Then does that make up for everything? 
Well, no, because now you, you, you're forgetting one added element. We're going to need Mackenzie <laughs> Milton coming off the bench in the fourth quarter to lead uh, the lead the comeback for the victory. That's how that that's how that script plays out. <laughs> oh man, there's so many ways that this season can still go, and, and that's just another one. Us getting revenge, playing Tulsa again, or playing Tulsa again and losing to them again in Tulsa <laughs> in the championship game, which. Uh, Make it hypo-fired, I guess. <laughs> and then we're on to Randy Shannon. <laughs> Everything's coming full circle here on this week's edition of the Sons UCF, which is not done. We have one more fun segment left. Cow of the Week has, uh, has, has done this a few different times. It's going to do something different again this week. Uh, don't move anything. We'll be right back. Sons UCF. I'm Jeff Allen. Join me each week for unique yet common sense opinions on sports on the Jeff Allen Sports Talk Podcast. We will break down the sports world minus the hot takes with prominent guests and my stable of sports guys. It's sports conversation the way it should be. Search Jeff Allen Sports Talk wherever you get your podcasts or go to jeffallensportstalk.com. This is UCF Athletic Director Danny White. And if you don't want to be the cow of the week, you need to listen to Adam and Mike on the Sons of UCF. Charge on. Go Knights. Mike and I didn't do much by uh, by way of planning for the show this week. So, uh, you know what? We're going to mix in a little rousing game of cow or no cow. We haven't played this game in quite some time, Mike. Uh, and so I've got just a couple of uh, statements here, a couple of people, a couple of things here. I've got like eight of these here laying out. And, uh, and you get to tell me if these things uh, in your mind are cow or if they're no cow. It's pretty simple. Um, I think you can get this under control. It's been a long time. Have you missed cow or no cow? Yeah, I have missed it because I told you. I never know who to pick for cow. Even though I requested cow or no cow this week for this very reason because I didn't want to do any work. But there was an easy one sitting there. I guess Dan Mullen for <laughs> calling for a packed swamp. And blaming the loss, basically, because Texas A&M had too many fans. So uh, that would have probably been the way I went. But let's do the cow or no cow. That's always a fun game. All right, here we go. Here's the first one. Ready? The guy who says, roll tide after everything. Cow. Yeah. Obviously, just because, one, we hate Alabama. And yeah, to say it after everything, I mean, what's, that- what's the point of that? We don't say charge on for everything, right? That's how that works up that way, right? It's like, hey, you want to go look at story? Yeah, I sure do. Roll Tide. Like that's how that's how that works. Like it's not, you know, it's not just like charge on when you see somebody in the. Uh, I was at Target the other day and I saw some guy walking around with a UCF shirt on and, and embarrasses the heck out of my daughter every time I do it. So like he walked past and I hit him with a Go Knights and he hit me with a Charge On. So it was uh, it was great. Um, but I don't think, yeah, I don't say Roll Tide. I'm like, hey, Mike, you want to do the show this week? Charge On. Like that's not how that works. Or maybe it should be. That'd be annoying if we did that, though, right? Yeah, I, I seem to end a lot of my tweets with a charge on. In, in real life, I don't actually say it that much. And I'm not really even used to replying with the charge on when somebody hits me with the go nights. I, I usually give them like a, a fist bump, but yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I forget all about it. So. Well, I'm, I'm confused because um, I, the hashtags and everything that's coming out on Twitter, it's usually GKCO, go nights charge on, right? Uh-huh. Um in both of the rejoins that we have from Hypel and Danny White, they say it backwards. They yeah, say that's my fault. charge on go nights. Yeah. That's I, your fault. I, I printed it out. Yeah, I wrote it out for them that way. Um, <laughs> I told them to read it. Well, so they're but, uh, so you think they, they couldn't modify the script on the flyer <laughs> or 
uh, I don't know. I'll take the blame for that one. Okay. And so your cow of the week? Yeah, I, I guess they could have done it the, the way they wanted to, but they probably just wanted to get me out of their faces as fast as possible, and they said, "Let me read, let me read this." However, this guy told me, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> got done with it. Okay. Oh, I learned. I didn't. I don't think I even knew that. So we learned something new this week uh, on the uh, that that was episode thirty. 35 i think 34 so again not that any of you can hear that anymore by the way um <laughs> that was like you know almost two years ago wow all right a little revelation on the show for those of you who heard that episode and those of you who haven't one day you know we uh we might bring those back i think i've done this one before on on cow or no cow so stop me if i have um not putting your shopping cart in the designated shopping cart corral <laughs> yeah you definitely cow or no cow yeah <laughs> we've done this i i told you if it's within a couple uh, spaces from me, I put it in there every time. If I have to go around to another aisle or something, yeah, no, I, I leave it out. Uh, you know, there are kids that work at Publix that love to just get out of the store and go collect shopping cards. I, I know because I one summer worked at Winn Dixie, and I didn't mind having. I got to get out of the store for thirty minutes. There you go. Yeah, I'm, go, I'm out there. I'm collecting shopping carts, and nobody knows what the heck you're doing. You're you're walking around killing time. So it, it gives the kids that work there something to do. So that's not a, that's neither cow or, n- nor no cow. No, I don't, so, where, where do I go? No, so it's no it's no cow. And no cow. Okay, I won't have to buy that. If you okay. leave it out, whatever. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, having uh, the read receipt off on your iPhone messages. So you know when you send a message, some people have it on there where it tells you that they read the the message. So not having that feature on your phone is that cow or no cow? Cool. You know, I don't think I have anybody that where I know that they've read my message. Is that something I have to turn on to know whether other people read my stuff or is that something that they have to have? They on? turn on. So you control whether or not others know if you read the message, but everybody has right. to control their own. Uh, I'll say no cow because okay. I don't even know if I do it myself. <laughs> I don't believe you were one. I think you were just a delivered guy. I don't think I get a notification that you've read it. But I get in trouble, so both my wife and my daughter have their read receipts on, and I don't. And so my daughter will send me a text message, and I won't respond for whatever you know, minute. Or maybe I'm on the on the phone or something. I don't know. And she gets very upset that I don't have the read receipt on because she wants to know if I got the message or not. And I always say, Addison, if I got once I got the message, I'll respond back to you. If I didn't respond back to you, then I just haven't seen the message yet. Uh, so I get yelled at every day for not having my read receipt on. So now I turn it on. No, I don't turn it on just out of spite. But uh, apparently, it's uh, some people really live and die by this read receipt thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can see her point, kind of. And with, with your kids, it's one thing. With my wife, she'll just keep texting me nonstop until I actually do respond to something. Um, hmm. Sometimes you don't want people to know that. I know that's the say, thing. Right? So, so maybe someone's texting you that you don't want to. Uh, uh, to respond to, right? Maybe it's, you know, your that, you know, that crazy uncle you, you had, or, you know, that's, uh, that, that, you know, maybe, you know, if you're a young lady or young man, you went out to the club the night before you met somebody and now uh, they're texting you the next day and you don't remember who the hell they were and you don't want them to know you read it. Uh, so it, it could be a, a, a dangerous situation there. So I'm a, I'm a fan of leaving it off. Uh, I don't really need to have it on. Um, but, uh, apparently it's a, it's a thing who knew, um, uh, you, you have a job. I have a job. A lot of people out there have jobs, hopefully. Uh, and uh, one of the big things you get with jobs is people send emails. So a uh, person who starts the email off like this, ready? I hope this email finds you well. Person who starts an email like that, <laughs> cow or no cow? Cow. Yes. Find a different way to start. Yes. 
that, that's just filler or whatever it is. I mean, how else is the fi- the email going to find you? <laughs> well, <laughs> if you're not well, odds are you probably didn't get the email. Like, you know, and there's variations of it. Like, hey, hope all is well. Hey, long time no see. Like, yeah, everyone's got that filler message. Um, and I get maybe there's some like business pitches that you want to do and you want to try to be like super nice and friendly or whatever. But a, a no email has ever found me well. Because if you're sending me an email, you probably either A, want to try to sell me something. B, you need something from me. C, you're trying to tell me something that I didn't do correctly. Like, I don't I don't think an email has ever really found me well. Unless it's, you know, somebody who wants to, you know, sponsor the show or somebody who wants to, you know, come on the show. Other than that, does an email really ever find anybody well? <laughs> but the whole hope you're doing well opening, I'm guilty of using that. But usually... You you kind of make that into the, uh, like the compliment sandwich where you, you say something nice at the beginning and you don't yeah. know what to say, so you, and then and then you hit them with whatever the problem is, and then you, you finish it up with a thanks and I look forward to your response kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the hope all is well is a, it's a I think I use that one a lot. I don't hope the email finds you well. It's hope all is well, um, mm-hmm. but I also don't know what I would do if it's not well. So it's it's a really tough spot uh, in an email. So right, I'm glad we agree on that. Here's the next one. People who always want to play devil's advocate, cow or no cow? A cow. If you always want to be devil's advocate, that means you just want to be a pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. I got to get my work. You're just like, well, not to play devil's advocate. Well, you're going to play devil's advocate. Do I need you to keep playing devil? Just, just tell me this is your opinion. You don't need to like dress it up with like, you know, I feel like people use it as a cover. Right. So it means yeah. they really disagree with you, but they don't want to be like, Mike, I disagree with what you just said. So they, well, just to play devil's advocate for a second. Right. <laughs> I mean, why are we advocating for the devil? Hey, I don't understand these things. I feel like devil's advocate is just a, it's a cow move. Yeah. Yeah. Just come out and say, I don't agree with you. Right. Whatever it is, but yeah. That's the straight shooter. Uh, people who, especially on people who are on like TV or radio or podcasts or whatever, people who call themselves a personality. Right. I'm a media personality. I'm a radio personality. I'm a podcast personality. Somebody who calls themselves a personality. Cow or no cow? Cow. Yes. I've never called myself a podcast personality, but maybe I should. It could be a cow here. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Actually, it sounds better as a podcast personality. You get the little alliteration in there. But other than that, yeah, I don't know. What does that mean, though? you're saying, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) thanks for your analysis (laughs) and that's why you're a podcast personality i have a job doing a radio show i guess not a job for us if you have to say you're a personality you probably lack actual personality wow that's deep okay let's move on from this ready um wheat thins wheat thins uh, I'm not gonna say cow if you like. I, I don't even know if I've had wheat thins before. I probably have tasted them, but I, I, they're not really uh, something I eat all the time. So, you like them? You don't like them? Not a huge fan. My wife found these like she, she thinks they're like high protein wheat thins, and I'm not like really the high protein with 92 grams of carbs. But you know, you do you. Um, and so she's like, yeah, you gotta try these wheat thins, or you know, they're protein based. I'm like, well, they're not really protein based, by the way. But you know, sure, do what you gotta do. So I just, yeah, I just found wheat thins to be an unsightly. I tried one to taste a little bit like cardboard mixed with a little bit of sugar, probably some salt, and could have been some, you know, I don't know, some mud. I don't know, it did not taste very good. <laughs> Well, we already know about you and your picky eating, so I don't know. I don't know if I've had wheat thins. I probably have, but 
not one of my go-tos for sure. It's also mislabeling. I guess I, I get more annoyed at the mislabeling piece because my poor wife's like, oh, look, high in protein. I'm like, wow, did you read the rest of it? There's oh, a lot are they of, thin? A lot of carbs. Yeah, yeah. They are thin. They're crunchy. They're and very made crunchy. of wheat? I don't, I, the wheat is one of the ingredients, yes. And they do have sleeping. they do have high protein, but well again high protein is a relative. I think it's like twelve <laughs> grams for like you know like ten chips or something like that. But it's also like ninety grams of carbs. So if that's what you're going after, you might not have actually met your macro on that one. Um, I saw you on Twitter today. I know how, I'm going to hit the button already because I know how you're going to respond to this one. Alternate uniforms. People who want to wear alternate uniforms, my cow uh, or no cow? Uh, cow. If if you're going the way we went in the discussion today with. With the all blue jerseys for a UCF team, don't. I'm not with that. Alternate can be, you know, if you traditionally just wear black uh, at home and white on the road and you want to throw in a, a gold jersey as an alternate, I'm okay with that. But it, alternate colors that are not one of our main colors as the full jersey, no, that's a cow. Could I argue? Let me play devil's advocate for a second here, Mike. <laughs> Could I argue the technicality that it's a it's a throwback? So we once wore a blue jersey. Well, I mean, yeah. we we were the Citronauts. I don't know if Canaveral blue was part of the Citronaut color scheme. I don't know if it was like no. in the tie that Juicer or Squeezer, whatever that guy's name is, was wearing. Um, if it was a throwback, would you feel better about it? And, you know, the Giants pulled that crap for a few years. The Giants traditionally with the blue jerseys and, and the whites. And then they went to the, the red jersey once a year. And that was actually a throwback because the Giants actually wore red back in, I don't know, the, the 20s or the 30s, I guess. It was even before the blue. And, and they didn't like it then either. Right? How are we going to call ourselves big blue and then go out there with red shirts? So I didn't like it then. I don't really... I don't. I'm not opposed to mixing in the citronaut. You, know, you want to put the citronaut so, uh, patch on on the shoulder, or you want even put it on the helmet for a game, or call ourselves the citronauts for the game. Fine, but keep the colors black and gold. I don't want to come out in blue jerseys looking like the Tar Heels. I don't want to come out in orange looking like the freaking Gators or anything like that. Stick to the colors you want to use it. I mean, we we had Christian Simmons on the pregame show. He said, and he's the expert. You want to mix it in a, as a complementary color, as an outline around the numbers or something like that, fine, but not as a whole jersey color. Wow, look at Mike, citing resources here. This is this is incredible. All right, last one. Uh, cow or no cow, Dwight Howard. <laughs> uh, to me, I don't care. What is he a cow for? Because he actually won a championship now in Orlando when he – I guess a lot of people hate him, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't watch enough basketball to care either way. So I'll say Cal to agree with everybody else. Yeah, a lot of people are, you know, they're, you know, obviously Dwight was supposed to be the, you know, the, the staple of the Magic franchise, worked his way out to a trade to the Lakers. That ended horribly, left the Lakers in alerts to go to the Rockets. That didn't go well. And then I believe, I'm going to try to do this off memory, I believe he's then played for the Hawks, the Wizards, the Hornets. And then he found himself back. I feel like I'm missing a team there. Hawks, Wizards, Hornets. I think I got them all. Uh, found himself back on the Lakers in a bench role and uh, has won a championship now. So he's uh, he's got a ring, Mike. He's got a ring, and Charles Barkley and, and Carl Malone do not. And he was never really the main guy on any of those teams except for the Magic, right? He was the big star for the Magic. Other than that, he was, he was yeah. I mean, maybe he was supposed to be the main guy. He was the he main guy the first time. Yeah, he was the main guy in that 09 team that got to the finals uh, against the Lakers and Kobe beat him in five. 
And then I think he went to LA to be that, you know, that big man compliment, right? That, you know, that Shaq and Kobe, that magic Kareem type thing with, with him and Kobe. And they clearly just didn't see eye to eye. Kobe was a guy who wanted to work and Dwight by some people's accounts is not somebody who wants to work. So, uh, so yeah, that did not, uh, that did not end well. He left, you know, and then then he had a lot of back injuries too, by the way, but I don't know. I mean, I don't really like him personally, but so he's kind of academy, but, um, I know a lot of Orlando folks are, are, I don't know how they feel actually about him because I know he was their guy and now he left. And so I don't know if, if water's under the bridge or not. I don't know. He's old now too, I guess, right? He's been around for a while. He is older. Yeah. He's on the, well, he's been on the downside of his career for a while, but yeah, he's, uh, he's definitely up there in age. All right. Everybody hates him and then I hate him too. That's what I like to hear. Dwight Howard is cow. And uh, that's cow or no cow, buddy. Uh, you know, a couple quick ones for you. Hopefully you guys enjoyed cow or no cow. I could have sworn I had that shopping cart one in there before, but I wasn't sure, so I left it in there. Uh, but it's still always a, a very fun topic. And so uh, don't play devil's advocate. Turn on your read receipt and uh, don't start an email off with, I hope this email finds you well. But look, I hope this podcast found you well uh, because it's uh, it's coming to an end, Mike. It's uh, It's been a glorious 102nd edition of the Suns UCF. Big game coming up this week. Uh, uh, must win. We, we got we to have this one. Again, no excuses. Got to bring this one home. Yes, we don't throw out the term must win all the time, but this is a must win. We cannot have two losses in the conference and expect to make the conference championship game. We would need all hell to break loose, or we would need the team that's going to be in the championship game to come down with COVID for us to make the championship game (laughs) (laughs) if we have a second loss here. So we cannot lose to Memphis if we want the season to go the way we need it to go. So things are not looking good. So let's just go ahead and go out there and beat Memphis. Again, don't forget an hour before find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and you will catch the, uh, the live, uh, pregame show. If you've listened to this entire thing, you've enjoyed what we've done. Uh, feel free again, head over to uh, any of your platforms and give us a rating, give us a review. We'd appreciate that very much. Make, make sure you subscribe to the show. Uh, don't be shy. Find us on social media as well. Always like to, to talk to the fans and talk to some people and talk UCF. That's literally why we are here. Uh, Mike, let's uh, let's reconvene. We got some other fun stuff we're working on behind the scenes here. Hopefully, we can get a, announce some of these things to everybody soon. Hopefully, they all go in our favor. And I uh, can't wait to share some of that news with you all as well. Until then, uh, everybody have a safe week. Everybody have a happy, healthy week. And uh, and we're almost to game day. Let's uh, let's keep charging on here. And uh, and hopefully, we'll uh, we'll come out victorious as always. Mike, anything you want to add? Yeah, don't forget pregame show two thirty on Saturday. We'll be there getting you ready for the game. So. You didn't get enough of us now in these past couple hours. You get to hear from us again, and you can see us. So it's pretty cool. And you can interact with us, ask questions, and we'll hang out with you before kickoff. Uh, perfect. Uh, charge on. Go oh, nice. Yeah, I, I messed it up there, didn't I? <laughs> I fooled you. I fooled you again. <laughs> uh-huh. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.